The following is a CSPN Media podcast presentation. The views expressed by the hosts and guests of the Comic Book Chronicles are the opinions of said hosts and guests. They do not reflect the opinions of the Comic Book Chronicles, the Click Nation, or the Coast Leather Podcast Network in any part. Thank you. Spoilers. Hello and welcome to another exciting episode of the Comic Book Chronicles. I am your host, Ryder Cat, and you can find me at Ryder Cat on Twitter. You can find me at News News Need on Twitter. You can find me at CB Caps on Instagram. And live from the planet of Brooklyn, our man, uh, Agent Underscore 70 on Twitter and Instagram. What's up, everybody? Hmm. The choices I have. (laughs) Rub it in, why don't you? In the house, without a doubt. Yes, Brooklyn, no shortage of sh- sound, uh, sh- uh, shout-outs for certain. When uh, you need a sound drop, you just have to Google, you know, certain songs and certain artists. This is true. Or in, in certain places, a certain place. Uh, but also, you can find this here program on the Coastal Podcast Network, the CSPN.us. Do it today! You could also find us on your podcast perusal place of choice, whether it be Google Play, Apple iTunes, aka Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or the Coastal of the Podcast Network's SoundCloud page. Um, so yeah, we're going to start off with a um, recap of Moon Knight Episode 4, which I almost didn't watch. Whoa, what happened? I Did, did they got away from me? <laughs> understood, understood, understood. You know, it's one of those things where this is this was an episode that I had to finish in two sittings. Right. Uh, you know, I, I tried watching a bit of it in the morning and I had to return to it in the evening. Hmm. So I definitely understand. But uh, but, yeah, there was a lot to digest in this episode. Pretty much. So we start off with the name of the episode, which is called The Tomb. Um, Very apropos for Easter, by the way. You know, post Easter, and you know what? I just kind of got a kick out of that. Actually, I, I did not think about that until, until you said that. So, you, I guess you're right. <laughs> I mean, Easter had just passed, right? But you know, the, the, still, the still Greek Orthodox it. Easter, you know, the Orthodox calendar is still, you know, we're still in the middle of their Holy Week. So, right, you know, it's apropos, right? Like I said, still, still in the time frame. So, it's all good. But yeah, so we start off with uh, uh, backwards miles. Which is the avatar, uh, the avatar of Osiris, uh, placing Khonshu's uh, Ushtabi in a gallery within with the Chamber of Gods, which apparently is a bunch of other um, I'm what I would assume other imprisoned gods or dead gods. I don't know which one, which one, what, regardless, he's there. He's got his own little spotlight, like a as someone said, like a Funko Pop. 
Oh no. <laughs> Jeez. So I was like, oh that's 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 not cool, but I, I get it. I get it. Um so we after we see that we see um Layla trying to um to trying to wake up Stephen Grant, which every time I hear Layla's name I think of Eric Clapton, you're welcome. Um and apparently he has still collapsed after what happened in the last uh, episode. You know, after Khonshu being um, swept from him and uh, I guess his involvement in moving the stars, I suppose, as as the Avatar. Re- right. Regardless, um, a Jeep comes. Um, not entirely sure who they are. With this. I guess some people are assuming those are Harold's people. Right. That's what that's what my guess was also because they're in that general vicinity. Right. And, so they're and, just out on patrol and or you know investigating, right? Uh, so they spot Layla and and Stephen. Well, they spot Layla, you know, and luckily they get away from the gunfire by rolling down the hill. Um, right. See, so she leaves Stephen somewhere where apparently they don't. Well, I guess they do see him eventually after because they're doing this. Is the funny part about this, like they're doing a sweep in a jeep, um, and they never get out off of the jeep the whole time. During right. his whole, they assume scene. he's dead because he's laying still. Right, but um, but Layla, in her craftiness, goes back to her jeep and finds um, finds some flares, which she uses throughout this whole episode through uh, with a great aplomb. Apparently, she's 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 handy with a with a set of flares. Let's just say uh, one she uses to dis to uh, dispatch the the truck that is uh that's that's looking for them. And later on, we'll get to see some other stuff. Um, to and then when she gets rid of this uh, this truck with these two people, which again don't get off the truck. The dude in the back of the truck does not get off of it. He just like stays there and shoot, shoots at her. I'm like, could you, like, do you not have a handgun or something or some cover? Is it like anyway? I don't know. That's that whole thing was just, was funny to me. Uh, regardless, uh, a box of ammo and a flare works wonders in the desert. Who knew? Uh, in in movie sits, but then again, uh, Stephen wakes up, and they get back to their jeep, and they follow their coordinates to Amit's tomb. Um, and while they're driving, you know, they're talking. Stephen's still in the control. Mark wants control back, uh, but uh, but Stephen's like, nope, we made a deal. You know, telling Layla like we made a deal that um, Mark was going to go away once uh, once uh, the, the whole Kanshu business was dealt with which technically it, it hasn't but steven's steven doesn't care so and of course hearing this layla's like oh so y'all made this decision without consulting me uh to which you know understandably went over the way you would think it would in that situation of course so um um but next up yeah and then steven's like um he shuts up off for that and says that basically try to counter with Mark's Mark had already disappeared to which she counters with like, yeah, but you know, <laughs> uh, actually, I don't think she said anything of doing that. She just kind of was like, eh, it, it doesn't matter. You, you still messed up. He still is it, still a messed up that you, you, that you did that. So they're going along. They get to, um, 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 Harold's site. And try to gather supplies. There's some blood down there somewhere, which we don't know where it comes from. 
Just, yeah, yeah, I was about to say, hold that thought. Hold sure. that thought. So, what looks like has been, you know, what 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 we what we see is a site that looks like it might be abandoned at this point, or mm-hmm. something else happened to Harrow's people. Right, and that is the beginning of the mystery that we're going to start to unlock here. I wanted to also mention before we moved on that Mark Spector probably subconsciously is already wearing all white or mostly all white, maybe a little cream. Yes. Including a hood. So mm-hmm. it's all very, uh, it's all very uh, subtle. Yes. So we, even though we do not get uh, either suit, uh, we still have shades of uh, Moon Knightness going on. Right. To, to which at this point, Mark, uh, as they're, as um, they're gathering supplies to go into the tomb, uh, uh, obviously, there's a mirror somewhere, and and Mark's like, "Look, give me the body back, so because you don't want anything to happen to Layla or anything." Um, oh, and right before that, a slightly awkward kiss was about to happen until Stephen was like, uh, "Mark, basically, he told Layla why Mark tried to push her away," uh, which kind of stops the kiss right there. Even though the the kiss later they they do have is probably equally as awkward awkward. Uh huh. Um. So you know they're sort of getting gear. Like I said, um, uh, Stephen and Mark are talking. Um. Um. And uh, like I said, Mark's still trying to get control of the body, and he was like, uh, "Hey, if you you uh, you try to kiss her, I'll throw it off of a cliff." Um. And uh, some must happen in those, but uh, but anyway. Uh, Mark, I was about to say, at this point, I believe he punches Mark. Punches himself. You know, Mark uses his control, yet. his not limited yet. control, to punch his punch himself in the face. No, that was after the kiss. But that's yeah, oh, that's was coming. It? Yeah, okay, yeah. Um, so yeah, so to get the gear, he's uh, Stephen saying he's been uh, tells uh, Layla he's been waiting for this moment his entire life because obviously you know Mark. I mean, excuse me, Stephen being a big um um nerd when it comes to archaeology stuff especially with uh with egyptian matters so he's kind of waiting to go into a tomb even though he's doesn't have the right build for it um uh, um not necessarily physically but mentally <laughs> and yeah. then at this yeah, he's moment, definitely a wannabe egyptologist right so um and this after this moment this is when the kiss happens and, um, well, wait, no, this is, maybe I might have jumped ahead because this is like, yeah, that's that, that. Yeah, because what you have to do, what you have to remember is they have to rappel down into the dig site. And at this point, Layla, you know, professionally, expertly uses the rappelling mm-hmm. gear to make her way down into the dig site, mm-hmm. expecting Mark Spector to use his skill to use the repelling gear that they have boosted off of Harrow's men, you know, from the supply raid, uh, to get down into the dig site. However, right. However, yeah, Stephen Grant is still in charge. And he's and still the kind next of a nuts. thing you know, he has not surprisingly broken his neck, but <laughs> basically falls down the 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 mine shaft or the dig site shaft and and and, and lands somehow unscratched unhurt at the bottom at the base of the uh the <laughs> the uh, the entrance to the dig site 
Right, to which he's like, oh, I wish you didn't see that. <laughs> I'm like, well, you know, that's your fault, fool. But um, nobody likes Steven, which I, under- I I get it. But, you know, so. Well, because at the end of the day, it's the, it's, it, it's the non-action character. Mm-hmm. And that's why it's just annoying. But at the same time, we have to realize that there's balance. And somehow we still have not seen any Jake Lockley. That's a spoiler for this episode. Or at least not officially. Yeah, we, we feel like we may have seen him in the last couple of episodes. And even one right. time this episode, presumably. But yeah, we don't know for, for, for sure if that was actually him. Because they haven't said that yet. Probably it's got to be next episode, which is seems like it's kind of late. Starting to do something like, but anyway, uh, so yeah, well, so, I was about to say just to hold that thought, mm-hmm. there's a lot that's going to happen in these next two episodes, so yeah, I think that it may not be too late. We're just going to get a lot in the right. last two episodes. Oh, yeah, no, no, that's true, and that's feel like that's something that's been going on with, with these Marvel shows, uh, uh, particularly the shoulders. Like, yeah, the last two are pretty much going to be jam packed, right? So, we, yeah, we can expect that to be the case here. Um, so yeah, so they're um, going through the tomb. Uh, Steven's geeking out. They're kind of looking around for stuff. Uh, Steven finds this table uh, while Layla's looking around. He starts to write on it, um, or I guess he's um, drawing out what's on there, presumably, which is the um, the, the Eye of Horus symbol. I'm sure some people with tattoos know that symbol. Um, and Steven goes to explain it. Um, and as they realize... Um, Amit's final avatar was a pharaoh, and that there they found that there are six paths uh, in the tomb. And Stephen explains that yeah, uh, each of part of the symbol represents uh, the path, and that they decide to go down one path, which represents the tongue, because because Amit would have a avatar who would who would be the voice for them. Um, they discover a small room with a giant slab in the center it's got blood on it there's a mural mural uh above them um and layla says something about his um some heck of priest or I, I think that's not how she pronounced it but that's how i'm saying it which were basically sorcerers at the time uh and uh presumably the the uh statues that are around uh represent the people that they've uh gone up against successfully i guess um, like I said, we see a lot of bloody jars on the floor and tools, um, and fresh blood, which is the more key thing here, um, with, to which Stephen's like, uh, we should go somewhere else. Yes. This might be a little dangerous here, and that suspicion proves to be correct. Yep. Because they start hearing gunfire, um, and loud clicking sounds. And they start to hide because because um, the clicking sounds specifically getting are getting closer. To which we come to find out that it's a, um, I guess it's it's one of the the priests. I'm not sure mm-hmm. what the thing actually was. It doesn't. Uh, I guess it's one of the priests who's guarding the tomb. It. We're assuming yeah. that it's some 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 kind of guardian entity for the tomb. Right. You know, there are multiples of them, and they. Because of the, the, the nature of their undeadness, they kind of resemble zombies. Yeah. But, you know, they're definitely acting, you know, with uh, purpose. And yes. one of those purposes is to, uh, you know, do a little bit of uh, dissection. And I'll, yes. I'll hand it off to you. Yes. And this particular dissection is, um, is one of the, the um, detectives uh, that we met in the what, first or second episode. 
uh, that shows up later in another capacity, but uh, we come to find out that's them, and this creature, this priest thing is uh, cutting them up and putting pieces of them in the one in the jars, hence the um, the blood that we, the fresh blood that we that uh, we are find out here. Now Layla's behind the Layla. Uh, excuse me, Mark. I mean not Mark. Mark Stephen was like high up. Um, Layla was pretty much right underneath the slab. She was right there at the slab. I still don't know how that thing did not see her where where it was. Because from the camera angle that we see from Steven's angle, there's no way in the world that that um that that, that thing did not see her. Right. She's got that big head of curly brown hair too. Right. I mean, granted, it was kind of dark, but still. Right. I mean, <laughs> you know, we have to we have to. Not suspend totally suspend disbelief. Yeah. You have to figure that the Hekka priest is intent on focusing on his work. Sure. Yeah, I, I know. But so it's that's still... why he's not noticing. But yeah, I get it. I absolutely, you know, like you said, I, I got that. I, I kind of was shocked out of my suspension of disbelief right there, too. Right. Just from the angle, just from the camera angle. Right. But then shortly thereafter, um, you know, uh, Layla tries to make a move around the, the, the table uh, but she knocks over one of the jars, and this, uh, Stephen tries to make a distraction, to which I guess he kind of does. Um, and they go off in different uh, directions after the thing starts uh, chasing after Stephen. Um, well, no, excuse me. She he starts climbing up the, the 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 priest starts climbing up the wall, trying to go after Stephen, but Stephen pushes something over, and he says he squishes it. As he's before he runs out the the room, Layla had already gone by this time because she had you know it was a distraction, so she was already gone. Uh, she finds herself uh, separated from Stephen and in a um, a chamber reminiscent of any any uh, Indiana Jones movie where there's a um, <laughs> where there the, was a tight ledge where you kind of have to right. shimmy uh, over. I mean, kind of shimmy around, which I thought I've seen the scene, which I think I've seen the scene before, and it might have been probably um, one of the little featurettes uh, before the before things came out. Because I was like, why does this scene look for me? I've not seen this, but I think it might have been in a video that I might have come across in the last couple of weeks. Either way, she um, she hears the clicking noise, which means the thing's coming after, her, and she makes her way across um, across this narrow ledge, almost getting caught by the um the creature thing one time where her hand was but then it does actually grab her once she gets across and pulls her into this uh dark path a couple of times or either that's her trying to get away i'm assuming that's her trying to get away uh to which she she sexually does and they have a little tussle and the priest gets knocked over the, the side of the chamber uh along with her but she um and again, using a flare, she fends off this priest thing <laughs> right. uh, and manages to get herself back up on the ledge uh, before seeing Harrow across the chamber, uh, who's just kind of, I would assume he was just standing there watching, watching, watching everything going, because he was like, you handled that beautifully. <laughs> right. He's basically hanging back. Right. While his followers get picked off by the Hecka priests, that right. seems to be what's going on. Yeah, because you can still hear gunshots in the background, and not necessarily screaming or anything, but you can kind of hear like uh, other noise outside of uh, gunshots. While he's just kind of sitting here chilling, watching her going through this, you know, going through this ordeal. 
Um, and she tries to walk away, and and he's like, um, yeah. Then he kind of nets her back in with mention of her dad and what he used to call her, and not necessarily teases her, but brings up the fact that um, Mark was there and may have had something to do with her father's death. Mm-hmm. You know, basically kind of using her to kind of fill in the fill in the pieces of that, to which puts her, puts that whole thing in her head, which obviously was his uh, plan and that. Um, but then we cut to after this uh, happens. Uh, I was about to say, hold that thought. Okay. This part at least tied into the original Mark Spector story yes. from the comics. This is true. And we don't know yet who his unnamed partner is. So we'll see if they, in fact, try to stick with the name of the original character. We won't spoil it here, you know, because we don't know if it's going to be introduced in the series or not. But uh, interestingly, this part felt natural to me because it was obviously reminiscent of the original Mark Spector story in the comics. True. And I guess in another way, the next part, or at least the the next to last part, uh, coming in at also. So yeah, so mm-hmm. someplace else we find Stephen, you know, again geeking out because he finds the tomb where the pharaoh is, and apparently it's um, uh, it's got all kind of adornments and stuff. And he's trying to figure out who it is and speculating into who it might be. Um, and then he comes to the determination that, you know, because of its uh, Macedonian scriptures on the sarcophagus, he realizes that it might be Alexander the Great. Nicely <laughs> <Honestly> done. <laughs> because we, I'll give Marvel Studios credit. It made me Google that. I was like, right. it's who? And then I was like, oh, yeah. Right. Cause so apparently that is a real thing. And people are still speculation speculating as to... Uh, where his tomb is or something like that or, or mm-hmm. so yeah so there's still a little good bit, big mystery about uh where he's buried and all that kind of j- good jazz so yeah it's a good honor for that i guess um so yeah it cuts back to harrow harrow and layla um and blah it blah it blah it on that and then we cut back to uh steven trying to uh trying to open a sarcophagus um also talking to mark at the same time um Excuse me. Yeah, like I said, the whole the whole hero and the murder thing. Um, so Stevens opens a sarcophagus and kind of susses out that well, if Alexander the Great was uh, Ahmet's voice, then you know um, the Ushabi, 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 Ushabti. I'm gonna get that right. I apologize. Um, the little have- statue. Yes, the little statue would be uh, somewhere in the sarcophagus, and he deducted that it was inside of um, uh, Alex, the supposed Alexander the Great's voice, where his voice would be, which is a stroke. Right, so as the thinking, former voice of Ahmet. Right. So, um, Stephen, against his better judgment, goes digging and... and um, Go, goes digging in uh, his his throat, saying, uh, right. "Sorry, he Mr. Great." Apolog- yeah, he's apologizing the entire time, <laughs> right? Um, and he pulls it out, and just as he pulls it out, Layla enters the room and wants to speak to Mark because obviously Harold got to her. Um, Mark uh, takes over the body, and Layla wants to know the truth. 
uh, ask and asks if uh, did he actually kill her dad? And he's like, no, no, he didn't do it, but he was there. Which she says, um, he says, of course I didn't. Which you could go either way because we're like, wait, <laughs> you know. But as we, as people who know the comic book things, I'm assuming they're they're going to stick with that and not make him the 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 actual scapegoat of that. But the fact that he was there in both cases, you know. Um, is is enough? So, kind of goes on with that, and she's kind of upset with this, and 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 uh, Mark's like, yeah. She comes to the determination of that's pretty much why they met because, uh, I guess because of Mark's guilt for killing her dad, mm-hmm. or for for being where her dad was killed, or being a part of it, I should say. So, um. At that moment, Harrow and his people come in the room, um, you know, armed to the teeth. Um, um, Layla's hidden. Mark's kind of out front. Or Mark's right there by the sarcophagus. Harold tells Mark that he remembers um, uh, the day uh, after the morning after uh, Khonshu left his head. And it was quiet and liberating. But now he's a free man. And he has a, a, a um, Mark has an important decision to make. So Mark tries to takes up this uh, axe, which uh, which is uh, which uh, comic fans may recognize as a as an implement he has used once upon a time. Um, oh, I didn't even recognize that. I was just yeah. kind of like, oh, that's convenient. Mm-hmm. No, that, yeah, that was that was an intentional. It was I, I remember the axe from one run, but it was like because it was the same as those um, those other like throwing sticks that he had also at one point. But, oh, okay, um, I mean, I've only ever seen him using the crescent darts. I swear to God, if I hear more yeah. people call them moonerangs, <laughs> I'm going to scream. Because I've listened to a couple of podcasts where they're just like, no, they say that in the show, but that's not what they are. They are crescent darts. Right. Um, and I've seen him use the battle stave slash a scream of sticks slash, Strunching you know, like so. obviously many different names for, you know, what are essentially a scream of sticks yeah. from... Um, from uh, uh, the Filipino uh, uh, martial art, and um, you know, and, and, and a bow staff. That's yeah. what generally what I'm used to seeing Moon Knight wield. But uh, an axe, not so much. I'm not sure which run that alludes to, but I just have to go into Marvel Limited. That is not a plug, folks. Yeah. It's just something that we use as a tool. I want to say and, it was the Fist of Kanshu um, run. I can't remember who was the creative team on that one. So, But I think that gotcha. was it. And I feel like gotcha. he might have happened around the time he was on West Coast Avengers, but I might be wrong about that part. Got um, it. All right, carry on. So yeah, so yeah, um, Mark kills a couple of, uh, of uh, Harold's dudes before getting gunned down. Uh, well, excuse me, My not, not necessarily. Yeah, not getting necessarily getting gunned down. He got shot once. Not gunned down means he got pelted with bullets. But yeah, Harold well, shot no, at him was twice. He nailed no, him no, twice, well, right? he shot him once, and then there was that moment of shock and disbelief that you know with uh, Layla and, and and Mark, and then sh- Harold shoots him again. Um, he falls back into some water very slowly. Um. You know, in, in the pool of water, and then the dramatic going down into the water and going into the light, and uh, which takes us into our next part. Um, which I was like, "Wow, I guess they are doing this." The, the, um, the this part from um, from Lemire and Smallwood's run. So, mm-hmm. um, next we see this 
psych ward where there's a a bingo game going on and uh people doing arts and crafts and and a couple of people and there's a there's one lady that was doing a picture uh that looked like Kanshu uh and we're kind of going around the place until we see Mark uh in a wheelchair um and just kind of staring at a reflection of herself he can barely talk um Layla comes by who they I saw so I have usually uh, have the uh, subtitles on and they had her um as nurse so presumably I guess she's supposed to be the nurse there but that we know that her face that's Layla uh, right. um uh and we see <clears throat> bingo getting called and apparently Mark has the the bingo number and I guess those bingo numbers mean something but I'm not entirely sure what they do so we're not I'm not even going to go down that road uh at that moment um but yeah, Mark tries to talk, but he kind of barely can. He um, at when Layla moves to kind of to uh, claim the bingo prize, he tries to get up out the chair, but he's uh, kind of strapped to it, so he falls over. Um, and then an orderly who looks like the the, the detective that was um, earlier in the show gutted um, uh, comes to kind of pick him up and says, "You have to stop doing this." And doesn't another and. Um, then we get him. We cut to him in a doctor's office, uh, talking to, I guess. Well, basically, he's talking to Harrow, but um, he's the he's basically the psychiatrist, uh, or he might even be the head doctor there. We don't know uh, necessarily, but um, but yeah, Harrow's talking and telling him. Uh, I can't remember what exactly he's he's telling him, but um, um. We find out oh, officially that Mark is sedated, uh, which is why he was having trouble walking and talking. Uh, but uh, he manages to uh, loosen his restraints um, and um, leave Mark's, I mean, excuse me, Harold's office and starts at some point running to where the orderlies charge chasing him and the orderlies are the two detectives, which, um, for those in the know, this comes from the comic book run of, um, Jeff Lemire and, uh, Jeff Smallwood, those two characters anyway. Greg so, Smallwood. Yeah, Greg yeah. Smallwood. I was about yeah, to say, yes, yes. I need to, I need to reread this. Yeah. I, I just opened it. I was like, I vaguely remember this, but I definitely run. did not read this run all the way through. I did. And it was, yeah, it was a pretty good run. It was weird. Um, it just about as weird as it got at the end of this. Because so so they're chasing um they're, they're chasing Mark he run, he finds a sarcophagus which has Stephen in it uh, he opens it up Stephen's in it they hug somebody and I saw some uh, a video out there saying like yeah they hug they did the Poe uh, po Dameron hug from, from <laughs> with, with him and with him and Poe I mean him and uh, Finn I was like okay that's that's pretty good so. Uh, so they're together and they start running because people they're, they're still being chased after them. Should people chased after them? Uh, they come across another sarcophagus. They both kind of look at it and it start, starts moving just like the the one Stephen was in was it. But they don't go and open it. We're go- we're going to presume that's Jake Lockley. Um, at least I'm going to presume that's Jake Lockley. But they keep running until they get to this one door and at the end of this door is this big hippo thing that just says hi. <laughs> Uh, and they no, both with scream. a high pitched with a high pitched female voice. Yes, with yes, with a female voice, uh, whose name is apparently uh, Tyrett. 
Uh, but upon seeing this uh, hippo hippo deity, both of them scream. <laughs> right, one is, higher pitched than the other. Yes, Stephen, of course, can, is yes. a higher pitched scream. Just to differentiate to the two, you yeah, have I was to about give to say, Oscar yeah, you Isaac credit much, for making two different screams. Exactly. Yeah, I was about to say you could pretty much guess if you've been if you've been keeping track of the show who had the higher scream there. But um, <laughs> and that ends the show. That ended this episode. <laughs> I do so. I do love when when uh, Tyrek came in. She was like, "Hi." I almost expected like a um, like a um, like a uh, Yelena. <laughs> Hi. Yeah. Right. Which one is this so, thing? It was pretty. It that was a pretty interesting twist, and and yeah. and I'm glad that Roddy Cat read that Lemire run all the way through because I remember kind of dropping it halfway through. I feel like we talked uh, about it. I definitely see that's the thing. I don't remember finishing. Right. I remember like skipping through it. So I so obviously a lot of this stuff is familiar to to me. Mm-hmm. But again, as we are want to say, as I am want to say on this show, we read a lot of comics every week, folks. This it's hard true. to remember some things. This is true. So uh, especially when it comes to like more recent stuff. So uh, you know, w- with regards to this episode. I was entertained and I definitely enjoyed seeing things start to ramp up. And I think Roddy Cap mentioned it, but I did also hear this on other podcasts, other recap podcasts, that these Marvel Disney Plus shows tend to not pick up at the halfway point, which is what I expect, but tend to pick up at closer to the two-thirds point. You know, you pass the halfway point, still kind of considering, you know, while while still considering and pondering many issues and several questions. But by the time you get to this two-thirds point, you know, four-sixths of the way through, um, you know, the, 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 there is a distinct amount of momentum that gets picked up in this episode as we kind of hurdle towards the finish. Right. So... It's interesting that that seems to be their formula is that it's not at the halfway point, but rather at the two thirds point uh, that the showrunners and the writers tend to accelerate the movement of the story forward. Right. And that's definitely true here. And, uh, you know, despite the fact that, you know, we talked about this last week, despite the fact that we actually don't see the despite titular the hero in costume this entire episode. See don't, don't mind me. That was me. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say, I'm, I'm hearing myself. Well, you know, am I in the multiverse? <laughs> nah, not so, yet. Well, you might be. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm in one aspect of the multiverse, at least, you know. But uh, but, but but ultimately, um, as you know, as I was saying, it, it's it's it was an, uh, a good episode that 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 kept me from remembering that we did not have the titular hero in costume at all this episode. Right. That was that that was the best part is that there was a lot of story movement and character development within this episode that kept me from remembering that uh we don't have uh the hero running around in costume in this episode at all. Right. Which we kind of figured was going to be the case given last given right. that last issue uh last episode. Last episode, yeah. Yeah. Um so yeah, the um uh, so yeah, we got two more left, and there was something I was about to say that I to where I now cannot remember what that was, but so it's it's it is what it is. Um, 
Uh, da, 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 Yeah, I don't, yeah, we'll, 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 we'll get back to this next week. Well, actually, no, I guess we will yeah. get back to this next week. Yeah, yeah no, got we've got next week. We've got yeah, next yeah. week. It's the week after when, right. uh, you know, so the, the sixth episode. and final episode is going to be, we're, we're going to have to table our discussion until the weekend mm-hmm. because of the release of, uh, Doctor Strange on the Multiverse of Madness. Yes. And I'm going to do my best to not spoil and not talk about that because uh, I don't know if Roddy Cat will have had a chance to see it by the time we talk. Yeah, there's a good chance, probably not. But I'm gonna make a concerted effort if I can find a decent showing that's not crowded, an empty enough theater. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, but that'll be in an, uh, another week or so. So we're gonna move on um, because, like I said, I really can't remember what else I was gonna say about this this episode. Uh, there was something that kind of struck out to me, but I don't remember what it is. It'll probably come to me later. So we're going to go on to the books uh, while my memory's uh, going recycling itself. Uh, we're starting off with Avengers 55. Pardon me, folks. I am scrolling back up to this week's books through our kind of a lightweight uh, for books this show week. notes, which is, you know, the link is always available for everyone. Mm-hmm. Avengers number 55 is written by Jason Aaron with art by Javier Garon, colors by David Curiel, and letters by VC's Corey Pettit. So it is not a spoiler because it is right there on the cover and it was teased at the end of last issue. That Nighthawk, the black version of Kyle Richmond, is one of the main uh, characters in this story, in this issue. And if you are not familiar with this version of Nighthawk... They have changed quite a few things about how this version made his way into the 616 that I forgot. I don't remember. I probably remember it because they mentioned it during the course of the issue that, you know, as pawns of the bad Phil Coulson that that is running around in the 616 and at the hands of Mephisto, they are uh, the, the Squadron Supreme of America are not exactly the characters that we're familiar with from another multiverse, another dimension, mm-hmm. but rather creations, like actual, you know, artificial life forms. That was the part I did not remember. I could have sworn I read that somewhere, but I'm not sure if I remember where. That makes me want to dig right. dig through either my back issues or Marvel Unlimited to see where I could find that. Right, because the other part of that, because as, as that whole part was going through, it was like, wait, I don't, re- I remember the Heroes Reborn stuff. That part was clear, and I remember the Coulson stuff with Coulson, but I was like, wait, did they actually finish that part? Because we know Coulson was working with Mephisto. That got clearly got brought up, and Mephisto's clearly still around, but that whole right. thing with Squadron Supreme and Coulson, like, I feel Did you like read they- all that Heroes Reborn stuff? Because I read some of it. Ah, some of it. Uh, I'm almost certainly. I think I read like the Avenger stuff and probably one or two of the side things. I didn't read the whole, whole, that whole every right. time. I read, I think, I've, if I'm not mistaken, I read the main miniseries, right. but you know, maybe they did that reveal about the actual situation <clears throat> surrounding the Squadron Supreme in another book. That might be the case, maybe because what we have seen is Nighthawk running around on his own, mm-hmm. and that is not, uh, you know, it, it, it's nothing new. You know, he's been running around in the pages of Black Cat. He's been running around, you know, in the background of Avengers, especially as the uh, the uh, United States ambassador to Wakanda. 
or you know, as, now. As, right. Well, now I was about to say it's revealed that uh, that is now a former title, mm-hmm. but that's what we've seen him doing. We have not seen the other members of the squadron. Mm-hmm. So, so he has not been a stranger to the pages of Marvel comics over the past year, let's say. And, uh, it's that it's for that reason that the events of this issue to me were not that big a surprise. It was just a very long play, mm. slow, a very long, slow play on this particular hand of cards. Because, um, as, as I was saying to Rodicat earlier, something is revealed early on in this issue that coincides with what is happening in the current Black Panther book. Right. And that necessitates a change, at least story-wise, uh, in, in, in the form of the uh, T'Challa having to step down as a chairman of the current roster of Avengers. And that leads us down a particular path during the story as we kind of uh, dance around uh, the Avengers responding to uh, uh, the serpent society kind of going kind of losing their losing their collective minds for hmm. very mephisto reasons yeah. and to which we found out right and what we end up finding out is that this is this kind of doubles as an audition for nighthawk because he beats the avengers to it and uh takes down the serpent society or whatever they're calling themselves at this point right and uh what is it? The serpent, serpent solutions. Oh, that's what right? they were based out of, right? They they had rented the building that's uh, the building they had rented. Apparently, was called Serpent Solutions, or they called it Serpent Solutions, where they had right. themselves. I believe they're right. still going so, by Serpent Society, though. But yeah, as Agent Seventy said, they have uh, gone pretty much cult status. Right. They tried to go legit in a certain in a certain sense, and ultimately, uh, you know, it's something that I've also mentioned to Roddy Cat. Uh, in the recent past is that the current team of Avengers is very, in terms of power levels, very Hickman era esque. And this is a really presupposing level of power that's going into beat up on literally in my mind, going to beat up on this, the, the serpent society. Mm-hmm. Like you're, they're literally sending in cap captain Marvel, Iron Man and Thor, like seriously against the serpent society. Right. Whereas like, Cap and probably, well, Cap definitely has run up against them uh, as various times, but probably Cap and one other person probably could have taken out, taken, taken them out. Exactly, exactly. I'm like, this is just a little bit of overkill, but obviously we're dealing with a certain level of power on this Avengers roster. Right. And it's at this point that uh, the characters uh, run into uh, Mephisto, unlike in uh, WandaVision. And... <sighs> And uh, the grand scheme is kind of laid out for the heroes. Ultimately, this leads to, uh, you know, this is an Avengers book after all. This is the main Avengers book. What else is going to happen in in an Avengers book but a membership change, a roster change? We already had one. We had uh, T'Challa have to step down. But now, believe it or not, like Ripley said, they're adding Nighthawk. Spoiler alert here, folks. We dropped that spoiler alert at the beginning of the episode, but seriously, spoiler alert. Yeah, that part. They're adding still, Nighthawk to that part this still, roster of Avengers. As I, as I said, just hold that thought. As I said to Roddy Cat, 
Now the Avengers have their version of Batman. They finally have it. You know, we could argue that T'Challa was the version of Batman that they had, you know, or, (coughs) sorry, some kind of amalgam between Tony Stark and T'Challa was the, the Avengers version of Batman. But now they literally have their own Batman. Yeah, Tony Stark could never. But yes. Um so and that what, was Batman? the part that kind of huh? You mean beat? No, I'm talking about as the billionaire tech guy. Well, sure, but still still no. Um <laughs> Oh, you mean be Batman? Well, yes, but yes, yeah, the billionaire part, the billionaire tech guy, yes, that part, sure. I got you. But mm-hmm. but I'm just saying, yeah, no no there's no Batman coming out of Tony Stark. <laughs> um Oh, no, he was never going to be. I was about to say because if you think about it, you know, and, and and shout out to and 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 uh, I'll I'll circle back to this, but in terms of like you know if you're going to look at like the equivalents on um on uh, on the Justice League, there was never an Iron Man equivalent sure. on the Justice League. Yeah, it's true. you know, so uh, go ahead. Unless somebody counts Steel, which I don't think you can, and I don't think he was ever officially on ever uh, on a Justice League team, but. That I know of, but you know, I wouldn't know. So, regardless, um, so yeah, it was this part that kind of it was that whole A to B to C part that kind of threw me for a second. It was like, okay, the child leaving, I get they needed, uh, like, well, they didn't may or may not have necessarily needed anyone else to join, but going from yeah, to child leaving, talking to Nighthawk and saying, hey, you know, everybody needs a hand every now and then, and you know, we need you to keep doing what you're doing, this and that other, to. Hey, the Avengers come along after he's taken taken out the Serpent Society all by himself to to getting on board. Now, granted, weirder things have happened in a uh, in an Avengers book. Lesser things have happened in an Avengers book to where people have become a member of the team. Right. In that right, respect, right. especially when it comes to membership issues. Yes. Right. So in that respect is not out of the ordinary. But at the same time, like in this case, like Nighthawk, y'all just fought this dude not that long ago. And again, in the grand stream of things of Avengers, not outside of the realm of possibilities, also. Still, <laughs> still, this one was like, oh, okay, so here we go. You know, Shadow left. Now we got another, I was going to say, we got another token black guy, but, you know, just, 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 I don't want to take it there. But, you know, Nighthawk is now reluctantly on the team. And I don't know, wait, was there a suggestion that he might be chairman at the end of that? Or they, he just had the floor? Or he just had the table? Because I know they were doing the whole, um, that sounds like they have a whole leadership. They have like an Avengers leadership council, council. thing. Yeah. Right. I mean, I think that's just like a temporary thing until they elect a new chairman. I think the the I don't think the 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 meeting had been held yet. And it's interesting that there are 10 Avengers on the active roster here, even though Blade is kind of indisposed at the moment because he is uh, in Russia. Right. Yeah. You know, with the vampires. Right. And oh, and actually to that point, uh, when after them holding Mephisto thing, even Captain Marvel was like, "We're gonna need, we're gonna need a bigger boat, aka we're gonna need more uh, Avengers." Right. So perhaps they're even though we do have the core crew, um, including um, um, Namor and Jane Foster, Valkyrie, uh, and Phoenix, uh, added to the roster that was already there. Presumably, they're going to add some more. And right, break them down and into it's just, teams. Right, and and as and 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 Roddy Cat can can attest to this as as another kind of longtime reader of Avengers. I've been, you know, kind of on and off 
a longtime reader, definitely since the BCAC and and uh, and Perez run, I've been a consistent reader of of Avengers. But this is one of the most powerful assemblages of Avengers ever. Yeah, true. Like including the Hickman run, including the Hickman run. Yeah, right. And and Hickman run had pretty much <laughs> the majority right, of the Marvel everybody. universe. Yeah, right. They literally drafted everybody. They put Hyperion on the team so they could have a Superman. Mm-hmm. You know, because they were up against Thanos. So, uh, you know, especially during the Infinity stuff. Right. You know, that's when they that's when they put Shang Chi on the team. So, you know, it's just it, you know you, you look at it and it's like other than <clears throat> like the, the human the human level combatants of blade and cap and they're not exactly human level right they're enhanced they're superhuman slash metahuman however you want to you you know call it you know everyone else is like you know i'm used to iron man being like the number two in terms of like power level on a on like a six person avenger squad Mm -hmm. this is ridiculous right there was a time where he pretty much was the 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 like the heavy hitter Yeah. yeah so you know, because we could always build like an Avenger squad, like you would a D and D campaign. Oh, you know, uh, what's that? I said we'll get to that later. Right, but 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 my point being that you know you could kind of build them. You know, say it's like a six person team, and you had like one heavy hitter, and you had like a a, a limited choice. It could be She Hulk, right. it could be Hercules, and as Roddy Cat just mentioned, sometimes it was just Iron Man. Mm-hmm. But often in my mind, he was always like the number two, especially if you're going to roll with. The uh the 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 big three of the Avengers, Cap, Thor, and Iron Man, mm-hmm. right? Thor being the heavy hitter, and Iron Man being second. Right. You know, even even during the Busiek and Perez run, that <clears throat> was the, the the status quo for a little while. Yeah, you're right. Uh, and actually, you just mentioned something that I want to bring up because I had this in the news, but I might as well bring this up now because you mentioned uh, Perez. Uh, at the beginning of this issue, oh yeah, that's what I was gonna. That's exactly what I was gonna circle back to. I'm glad that you mentioned that. Yeah, so there was a, a really nice um, um, tribute page, and he's not dead yet. Uh, but there's a really nice uh, tribute page to George Perez uh, that starts off the book before he even right. gets into the into the story. Um, right. To which, and I'm that gonna... art is by him. Yes, that art so. is by him. It is from Avengers. <clears throat> uh, Oh, where is it? Avengers Forever? Avengers Finale? Something like that? Uh, uh, from 2004. It's the end of the Ben... It's it's the end of a Disassembled. Yeah, it says here 2004 is a finale. Uh, Avengers Finale. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I own this book. And obviously, for those of you who have Marvel Unlimited, not a plug. Again, not a plug. You can look that up. And this is um, a page that uh, George Perez contributed to the book. Mm-hmm. Uh, for those watching the video version of this program, can see said page. So, all right. So it's it's nice that Marvel got uh, an in comics tribute to uh, George Perez while he's still able to uh, appreciate that and see it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that, from uh, from from what I've seen on the, uh, on Twitter, he did see it and, and was uh, was was happy about it. Was was uh, you know yeah was also right. a lot of it. people. A lot of people complained initially because. They're young and don't remember that this is actually a page that George Perez drew. Right. I recognize it right away. I just couldn't remember what book, but I remember the era, right. that being that post-disassembled or right at the end of disassembled. Because that's who they're toasting. They're toasting the fallen dead. Mm-hmm. Right. But it's 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 sad and but still apropos because it's his own art. 
Right. And it shows everyone toasting. And they take out the word balloons, obviously, because they're not going to put in the word balloons of, uh, you know, like toasting people who are gone because George Perez is still with us. So it's it's apropos in that everyone's raising a glass uh, to George Perez. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it, so that was a great um so yeah, uh that being said though, um uh yeah, if Avengers fifty five what it is is what it is. So we got they're I guess officially going up against Mephisto and the the Council of Mephistos and the when that one spread that we saw. Um Right. I mean shout out to Javier Garon for having to design all those Mephistos. Mm-hmm. You know, that was pretty impressive. I was like, oh, okay, there's like a Mecha Mephisto and there's a, you know, there's a, there's a Mephisto that looks like a Talon from, from Batman. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? I did notice that. Yeah. I was like, why does that look like a Talon? Like from the, from the Snyder <laughs> the and Court Kukuro of run when they did the Court of Owls. Right. <laughs> I was like, that is, that, that's a Talon. What the heck? I mean, hey, you know, there's, there's plenty. Maybe that might be a um, a hidden crossover that we don't we don't we don't know about. Um, but yeah, I'm, I was kind of wondering. I, I I need to go back and take a look to, to see if there's any of those that have actually shown up in anything prior. Because there have been multiple, there have been versions of Mephisto to show up in other places. So at least once or twice in other places. Not it doesn't happen that often, but um, just out of curiosity. Sure. One of them looks like Charlie Brown. He's got the Charlie Brown shirt on. <laughs> like right in the middle. I'm like, Jesus. Yeah, good stuff. It's good stuff. Um, actually, I need to take that uh, out right there because we already talked about that. So, yeah, uh, that was Avengers 55. We'll, um, we'll, we'll see what, what, uh, what the goings on with this group uh, in the next uh, issue. Um, right. I guess. And, and at the end of the day, you know, this is this is like the setting of the roster before the big crossover. Right. Because Judgment right. Day is coming. Right. Yeah, I need, that's right. I need to um, catch up on that. Did you wait? Did you go? Uh, side note. Did you go to your comic book shop? Get your books? Did you get a book? No, not this week. OK, not yet. Not yet. Why? Because uh, I know I saw when I was looking at the um, I was grabbing the covers um I was seeing there was a couple of free comic book day books that were slated for this week. Mm. And I didn't know if, cause I know free comic book day is officially coming up like in a couple of months. Um, but like, I know they had kind of already broken down books coming out here and there, you know, uh, in the past couple of years. So I didn't know if that was something like the shop's going to have like right now and then, or, you know, whatever they're going to hold those books until then, or, you know, just, Whatever the case, or probably still have enough from now till then. I don't know. I was just kind of curious as to whether those books were actually in the store. Well, I mean, Free Comic Book Day is supposed to be next Saturday, like two Saturdays from now. Is it? Okay. May what was, what was I thinking? Oh, right. That's right. What was I thinking? It was in June. Oh, because that's what that's what it was during the the height of the pandemic. Mm. Like you know, like when they when they initially rescheduled it, they moved it to June because there was no movie to coincide with. Mm, but okay. this year it's going to be May seventh. So back to uh, basically kind of back to normal. Yeah, back to normal, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I, you know what? I went to that site and I should have probably seen that. But regardless, I was kind of curious about that. So we can kind of move on to the next book. I guess, um, speaking of that next book, since you mentioned them, do you want to go ahead and get Shang-Chi out of the way? Sure. Right. right. So there, this is a, 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 one of the other groan-inducing books. <laughs> but for, you know, I mean, not for the, not for the worst reasons. 
But uh, we'll get to it. Shang-Chi number 11 is written by Jean Luen Yang with art by Marcus Toe, colors by Eric Arseniega, and letters by VCs Travis Lanham. So we pick up uh, essentially right where we left off uh, at the uh, at the end of last issue while I kind of move forward to get to my review copy here. Here we go. As the uh, intrepid group of uh, the children of uh, Wen Wu make their way into uh, Ta Lo and are immediately beset by uh, the defenders of the realm. And Shang-Chi's like, hey, we don't have to fight right away. Let's talk for a second. And when they talk for a second, it is discovered that they have uh, contrapositive or counter- uh, interests than the defenders of Talo, and uh, of course, a rumble ensues. Uh, at this point, though, someone named the Jade Emperor, mm-hmm. oh, a, a, a creation heretofore unknown, emerges wielding ten gold rings. Not five, like the 12 days of Christmas, but um, bum, bum, but 10. Mm-hmm. And these 10 rings uh, basically go around his forearms and wrist. Yeah, stop us if you've he heard can, this before. <laughs> right. And he can wield them by spinning his hands and arms, mm-hmm. and they can act as uh, means of binding his. Uh, his, his foes, his opposition, they can act as bludgeoning weapons, so on and so on, right? Mm. We don't see the full extent of these weapons. Meanwhile, yeah. we find uh, that uh, Shang-Chi's grandfather, um, I forget his name, but, uh, oh, uh, Zheng, I, I said his name was uh, Wen Wu. That's the movie version. Zheng Zhu is the comic book version of right. the father of Shang-Chi now. No longer uh, the unfortunately named and racist Yellow Claw. Um, I think his name is, the grandfather's name is Zen or something like that. I can't remember. Uh-huh. Yeah, you know, I'd have to look that up. I, yeah. I you know, I, I remember the, how, what they renamed him to. Right. But, um, no, no, I mean the grandfather, not the father, but either way, it's, oh, it's not see. that important. Right, right, yeah. right, 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 right. So, right. So the, so the grandfather has taken, um, <clears throat> has taken Shang-Chi's mother hostage and, you know, he's got his own plans for Talo and the children of Zhengzhu are imprisoned in Talo where mysteriously, conveniently, <laughs> Somehow, mm-hmm. some mental gymnastics that mm-hmm. we have to undergo mm-hmm. lead us to Shang-Chi having some mental powers, mm-hmm. some psychic powers, so that he can communicate with the dead. Yes. This so never... we're taking some real reaches here, and I'm groaning. <laughs> right? I'm only groaning is because I'm old. Right? Yeah. I'm only groaning because I'm old. If <laughs> I were a young cat... Reading this fresh off of Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, I'd be like, finally, we're getting a little corporate synergy. We're finally getting to see everything starting to come together. But I'm old and I remember how things used to be. And sometimes I can be like, yo, 
it used to be better. Right. But Despite hold on, hold on. the inherent racism in the comics and in the characterizations of these characters. Right. But Go hold, ahead. I'll hold, hold on, on for a second. Because I'm sitting here like, even if you saw the movie, that would be a stretch because there was nothing in the movie that would suggest that Chang Chi has any kind of psychic powers. Like we get the throw, we get this throwaway line in this book, which I guess probably is a thing that's come back for another. Now that I think about it, because but it, it, regardless, in this volume to where hey, your mother saw it was strong in psychic energy, so that's why you can see me. Type situation. I'm sitting. I mean, is he in here? Me. I'm sitting here like really, and yeah, just like Agent Seven. I was like, even when I saw the Ten Rings, I was like, matter of fact, I have it in my notes. I was like, oh look, Ten Rings. I wonder where this is going. Ha. <laughs> so. <laughs> <laughs> so conveniently, Zheng mm-hmm. Zhu, you know, despite his uh, ugly reputation, is willing to, at least at this point, be charitable and generous to his son and his other children by leading by, by, by giving them a chance to go up against the Jade Emperor. Meanwhile, Shang-Chi's grandfather is uh, staging a coup against the Jade Emperor in Ta Lo. And just as the, uh, oh, Jin, that's right. You're right. Yeah, X-I-N, Jin. Mm-hmm. So Jin, uh, just as Jin is getting the upper hand against the other siblings, Zheng Zhu appears to Shang-Chi and leads him down a path so that he can secure the Ten Rings. How convenient. So just like the movie, as in death, he, he, Shang-Chi uh, have, uh, finds the Ten Rings. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And basically the book ends with uh, Shang-Chi wielding the Ten Rings as they set up the final battle with Jin, his grandfather, mm-hmm. over the fate of Talo and of you know, the world. Mm-hmm. And that is, and, and it's not a spoiler because we, ta- I believe we talked about it, that this next issue is going to be the last issue of this volume as they relaunch the, vo- the as they relaunch Shang-Chi literally right. as like a continuation into a new number one with his newly discovered 10 rings. So I have to say before Roddy Cat picks up the trail on this, uh, I was kind of curious to see if they would introduce the Ten Rings in the new volume or find a way to do it in this volume. And so I was mildly surprised that they actually did it in the penultimate issue of this volume, just so that they could set up the finale for this volume and then move into the following, you know, the new number one. Right. Go ahead. I I kind of wasn't because I feel like because I feel like Marvel's done this before whatever way you should perform something gets introduced uh, at the end of a run, whatever happens, and then it becomes either the focal point of the next volume or something, you know, something useful in the next volume of the, of a book. I can't think of any clear examples of that, but um, well, I guess probably Miss Marvel, but maybe not. Regardless, um, I, I I was not surprised that it happened here, and you know, the fact that they're that that when they start off, they can just go ahead and hit the ground running with this. Cause and it makes sense. Cause it was like, if you're going to call it legend of, I mean, uh, you know, Shang-Chi and the Descendant Rings, whatever they're going to call this new volume of the book, you might as well already have it established. Right. I have him wielding them as opposed to it being the ongoing search for them. Right. 
or him just magically getting them in the beginning of the book. Just go ahead and have that out of the way, and that way you don't even have to worry about it. So, like I, said, I wasn't that big of a surprise. Like Agent Seven, I was also kind of groaning at that part and the whole the whole psychic, <laughs> the 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 coincidentally psychic thing that happened in the course of this book. But like I said, we knew this was going to happen, or part of this was going to happen. Psychic Park was a right. Some might exactly. It was all about the the execution. I mean. There were multiple times in this book where I was like, Hold up! <laughs> and also, What? <laughs> what? What? Right. Because, at the end of the day, as I said earlier, we knew it was going to happen. We had already anticipated it. And obviously, we're, we're kind of in the know because we pay attention to solicitations for comic books coming out in the near future. But ultimately... We all suspected this was going to happen eventually, and they were just going to have to figure out a way to do it. And I just felt like I, I it was groan-inducing, but I, at the same time, it's hard to put myself into the shoes of uh, uh, you know a, a, a tween or a teen that is picking this book up, that is reading this because they want to see representation in comics and they're wondering why Shang-Chi does not wield this version of the 10 rings. And if anything, I kind of appreciate the fact that the Mandarin's 10 rings are still somewhat in play in the MCU, given that they redid this, they, they, they created a new version or at least a different set of 10 rings, which actually not that you bring that up. We haven't seen, I mean, for uh, probably good, obvious reasons, but we haven't seen much of the Mandarin or the, those rings of his, and a good man. I wonder if they're still kind in of the comics, around. right? Yeah, right. And I wonder if they're still kind of floating around somewhere that 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 has come up at some point. I'm not sure where he appeared last. That's a right. good question. Yeah, but here we are, and, and and yeah, I guess if you're coming from, I, I I'm on record, and maybe Agent Seventy also, uh, but but definitely I know I've been on record as being like I'm not fully on board with the whole paralyzation of the movies and the comics. To, to the degree that it that it has in the last few years, so it was also I'm like uh, I I wish they didn't have to do that, or I wish they didn't feel like they had to do that, or whoever made the decision to be like, hey, this is where we're going with this, to be that case, because like you, I feel like, and I feel like I just haven't said this before, like Chanti Chang Chi doesn't necessarily need this, but if they're going to put them on par with you know. Uh, his power level, especially in the MCU with other folks in the MCU, they're going to do something like this, which right. even in the MCU, I still don't think that this is really necessary. Um, but I, I am a minority upon a minority uh, in that respect as agent 70 have been there through the dark times of this character. <laughs> um, and, I mean, and such. I'll, I'll tell you that, you know, the, the 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 renaissance of the character really did start when uh, Hickman brought him into the fold mm-hmm. of Secret Avengers and then Avengers. True. And, you know, we started to see a little bit of an inkling. And obviously at that point, I think word had gotten, gotten out that they wanted to do a Shang-Chi movie. Mm-hmm. So that was just the start of the reinvigoration of the character. But, you know, now to see this character go this far and and to give him this power up which you know as Roddy Cat said and we've said on previous shows isn't really necessary 
because he's supposed to be the master of Kung Fu and conspicuously that is nowhere in the title of his book. Mm-hmm. It's Shang-Chi and the master of the Ten and the Ten Rings now. Right. And going, I guess, recently as relatively, but as recently as Hickman's run, we have seen him, you know, be quite effective with just his, you know, proficiency in, in keeping up with an Avengers run, with an Avengers book. As a matter of fact, well, there was that one time they grew him into a uh, uh, kaiju size, but that that was right. a whole thing right there. Right. But I he mean, was still him. If I recall, yeah, I was about to say, if I recall, like Iron Man gave him a couple of things to use, but it wasn't like anything yeah. major. It was stuff right. that would supplement his Kung Fu. Right. Yeah, right. Not it wasn't like him, this. Like, yeah, exactly. Not like, you know, put him on, you know, no, not, not, not give him the ability to stand toe to toe with like, I mean, I don't think he could, but you never know with the Silver Surfer. Yeah, not, well, I mean, we don't know. We don't yeah, know. Exactly. We just don't know what these rings are capable of. Well, whoever's writing them could do that, but that, that, well, that was right. going to be my point. But yes, you're you're right. We don't necessarily know that for sure. But yes, but they're putting them on a more grander scale than or, or power set, I guess, than mm-hmm. potential power set than he has had in the past, which is not needed. But either way, you know, here's where we are. Here's where we will be for the foreseeable future, as much to our chagrin. Yep. Um, the only other thing I was going to, to add to this is that um, uh, Shang-Chi's little sister, well, I guess, Xing, Xinghua, Xihua, excuse me, uh, right. is her name, uh, who had lost her hand uh, Star Wars style, had been giving an implement uh, Razor Fist style. Right. <laughs> so, uh, and she got a chance to use it in this, um, in this, um, uh, issue, which granted, I guess they got caught. So, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't a showcase for it, but nevertheless, you know, she, they, they, they did show it off. So she's got that on her, um, right now. And there was, I guess, with the 10 rings, some other mentions of some other weapons, which I don't know are going to get used and or played uh, with, but were mentioned as the foundation of the five, five uh, weapons uh, society that Shang-Chi is now the head of. So whether we see those uh, other weapons in this and whether those weapons are some uh, stuff that we know of, or these are brand new for this, which is probably more likely, uh, uh, or they're just going to leave it with the 10 rings and those are just going to be what, you know, just mentions. Yeah, we'll I mean, my guess is that Gene Luen Yang probably had that stashed away mm-hmm. because, you know, the, the, the initial concept of the, the, the five weapons was pretty straightforward. Right. Each of the member, each of the, the members of those groups specialize in using that particular type of weapon. You know, the staff, the sword, the dagger, you know, you know, uh, as uh, as uh, symbolized by his uh, by his siblings. Right. Mm-hmm. Like Brother Saber, Sister Dagger, so on and so forth. Right. Yep. Yep. So it makes sense that uh, that Yang probably would have had this concept that there were like the the top level weapons, right? Like that, sacred weapons that that form the basis of the house, right? You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. And actually, that like I said, whether we see them or not, or the rest of them are, or them or not, you know, I guess. Uh, yeah, it's like the sword of Gryffindor, right? <laughs> Anytime he ch- gets a chance to put in a Harry Potter reference, he will do so, folks. <laughs> Listen, I'm just trying to make it as accessible. I'm trying to make this show as accessible to as many people as possible. Fair enough. Um, and with that, we can move on because uh, I think we've run. Yeah, unlike, unlike J.K. Rowling. 
Yeah. <laughs> oh, geez, yes. Uh, the less said about just kidding, the better. Um, so, yeah, I don't know if we have any other books that are in common. You didn't read that Captain America number zero? I did. You want to go ahead and... All right, let's, yeah, let's yeah, talk about that, and then we'll okay. go into rapid fire. All right. All right, Captain America number zero is written by Tochi Onibu... Uh, it's, a, it's a group effort. It's written by Tochi Onibuchi, Jackson Lansing, and Colin Kelly. The latter two are former guests of the Comic Book Chronicles. Art is by Mattia Deulis, and letters by our favorite lettering, Paisan, VC's Joe Caramagna. Do you want to start with this one? Uh, sure. Um, I There's really not much I have to really say about this, except for one, there's a, a Predator moment here that uh, I know Age of 70 said he saw, but he kind of kind of glossed over. <laughs> but I but I also saw, I believe that was, that had been previously mentioned. Uh, at least I've seen that page before. Uh, okay. I think about it, uh, because uh, I think um, I can't remember. Somebody somebody put it on Twitter, regardless, or, or, or it might have been a preview page or something. Um, but the crux of this is, in no short order, we have the Captain's America, uh, Steve Rogers and Sam Wilson teaming up uh, against Arnim Zola, who has a rocket. And as Steve uh, famously said in his, like, yeah, I'm not a fan of rockets. <laughs> so, uh, so, but they are attacking on two different fronts, and uh, the, the, they, it is uh, Zola pretty much taunting them on both of those fronts, and they are both handling it uh, in their way, and they meet in the middle. But like I said, the, the crowning achievement of this here issue was the, the Predator moment, which uh, what I mean by that is the uh, the clasping of hands of Steve Rogers and Sam Wilson, much and like the Dutch. Yes, much like Dutch. And I'm pretty sure that's that's the uh, that's the that's what they were going for, uh, much like Arnold Schwarzenegger and uh, Carl Weathers in said movie. Y'all have seen the right. y'all have seen the, the gif and the meme. So y'all know what I'm talking about. Or you've seen right. the movie if you're of a certain vintage. That's funny. I mean, ultimately, and what's funny is that ultimately, you know, which one is uh, hopped up on performance enhancing. Uh, 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 I don't want to say drugs, but performance enhancing uh, serum elements. Sure. Yes, yes. Yeah. Indeed. But um, but yeah, I mean, what you have to remember, folks, is that we're coming off of the United States of Captain America limited mm-hmm. series. And that is the direct lead into this issue. Mm-hmm. There is nothing in between. Right. You're not supposed to read. You're not supposed to know anything of what Cap, you know, what uh, what Steve Rogers, you know, I guess we're going to have to get used to again when when we say Cap, uh, we have to be clear about who we're referring to. But, you know, we we've seen uh, Cap Steve Rogers running around in the pages of Avengers and we really haven't seen Sam Wilson running around anywhere other than United States of Captain America. I don't think he's been in any other books that we've no, seen. not since his run ended. No, I don't think so. No, yeah, it was no I mean that, uni- that United States book. Right, that that's United what I'm saying. Like, America. Right, that's what I'm saying. Then, that, I don't know. Right, that's what I'm saying. There was that in his run, and that was about it. He might have shown up, you know, someplace, I'm sure, but yeah. Right. So there are a couple of little things that kind of irked me. One is that they've taken away, like, the long gauntlets that Captain America, Steve Rogers, has always had. They've also given him this weird, like, zipper neck. Like, I don't know if that's a Mattia de Ulis design thing or if they're going to keep that going. If you take a look at the at the issue, you notice that he's got this kind of, like, 
zipper. You know, it's it's, it's almost like the fleece that I'm wearing, mm-hmm. right? He's got like a little zipper where he where 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 uh, where uh, you know he can zip that up. And I'm like, what the hell is what? What kind of stupid design change is that? It's so stupid. Mm-hmm. It's nonsensical. Also, and I know they've done this at times in, in the past, but. Steve's arms, particularly in the in the in his uh, uniforms, particularly his um his forearms, well his forearms also particularly veiny. Like, how is that coming through the the uh like what kind of material is this you got going on now to where that's showing up? Like again, this is things that they've done in the cosmic comic before, so this is not new. But like in this in this issue, it was particularly noticeable. Right, right, and it's it's an art choice. Mm-hmm. And I felt like I was struggling with Mattia de Ulis's art in this book because it felt like the the panels didn't necessarily connect all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know that that's just my own that that's just my own art criticism. I don't know if Roddy Cat felt the same way. I could see there were some instances <clears throat> where you could see how you get from one panel to the next more easily than others. Mm-hmm. But there were a couple of really rough transitions. I was like, how did we get from this panel to that? Right, so I, I the art because you said before the um the, before the program that the art was as distracting as you're, you're kind of saying it wasn't as distracting as it, but there was there were some noticeable noticeable spots like that in there in there for right. me as well. Right, I mean after after all these years of doing this show, I've kind of helped Roddy Cat look at art more critically, uh, you know, because I don't think that was something that he was want to do going into the show. You know, I'm when more, he first started in the show. Yeah, well, to be, I, I am more. Uh, I, I, w- I don't, don't want to say as a writer, but as as a as a fan of the 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 story, the, right. the story part, the written part. Uh, yeah, I look at that as much. Not to saying that I overlooked the art pr- pr- uh, um, completely, but it would just right. take a lot to, for it to be clear and Distract- noticeable. Yeah, the, the, yeah. So. Like if now, it's so bad it's distracting. That's when you would probably notice it. But exactly. you know, uh, you know, over the course of uh, over the course of the the, uh, the this run of of uh, the Compo Chronicles, you know, we've talked about how visual storytelling, as well as you know, the quality of art and what they what, what the artists intend to do, really do help with uh, the overall story in a visual medium in a comic right. book, and so. It's, you know, it, it, it's always fun to hear what he has to say because he's still, you know, looking at it with a different eye than, than myself. Right. Now, that being said, there I'm a was... a critical art eye, so... Well, not as critical, specifically, um, for sure, because, yeah... Cause, oh, no, 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 I'm just saying I have a critical art No, eye no, well, sure. yeah, right, right, but I was coming from the other side of that. Like, mm-hmm. yes, you are definitely more art critical than I am, but I have, um, I have gone... I have my moments of noticing it. And in that, there were some good. There was some good art in this book. Now, that's not to say that the art, you know, is completely bad in this book because it's not. Right. Uh, it's just that there were a couple of spots that you know can could see if you were paying close enough attention it would um, would kind of take you out of it. And right, it's just as, a little jarring. Right, and as as he says, like yeah, this panel goes, is connecting it for this, and I'm not sure how that is how that's happening because of the art so right right and part of it is just you know i think this is all digital painting Mm, you think and yeah i think so i think this is all digital painting Hmm. and um because there's no colorist Mm, okay 
right? I think gotcha. it's all digital painting by Mattia de Ulis. So, gotcha. But um, but in any event, uh, you know the, the the crux of this issue is you know the Captain's America now mm-hmm. uh, learning to kind of coexist and basically at this point branching off into their own books. They're going to be branching off into two books. We've talked about this before. Mm-hmm. There's going to be Captain America: Sentinel of Liberty. That's going to be the Steve Rogers book, and uh, was a symbol of truth. Yes, but I think that's only a one shot because that's the next one coming. I think it's only a one shot. He's not getting his own book that I remember. It's like Steve. No, my understanding is that they were they, that they are getting their own books. No, no, Steve. Yes, but I'm saying the 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 next book from Sam, I believe, is a one shot, and that's that symbol of truth. I might be slightly wrong, or, or is it either or a miniseries? But I think it's a, it's either a one shot or a miniseries, one of the two. But I don't think he's getting like an ongoing. Hmm. My understanding is that there were two twin ongoings. The reason why I say hmm. that, and, and, and one of the reasons why I feel like they're doing their best to push the Sam Wilson book is the art team. Mm-hmm. You know, they've got Onyabuchi on the writing side, which is, you know, he's not exactly like the, 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 the most veteran writer, but he's definitely like an up-and-comer. But they've got R.B. Silva from uh, Hoxpox mm-hmm. on the Sam Wilson side. Whereas on the cap side, they've got Carmen Carnero, who obviously is no slouch, but not exactly wouldn't be my first pick. Right. To pick up the, the Steve Rogers side. Stormbreaker. So, what's that? As I believe she is one of the new storm She's a Stormbreaker. Yeah. Right. She's a storm, uh, they're both Stormbreakers, but the point is it, it wouldn't have been my first choice. Sure. Uh, but we we know what R.B. Silva can do. That's oh, yeah. the thing. Right. You know. And, right. I know you mentioned the creative team. And I think, uh, wait, so Lansing and Kelly are doing Steve's book. Right. Okay. And, and Onibuchi is doing Sam's. Right. Okay. And since they both, and they both play a part, they both played a part. Or they all have right, a setting them. exactly. They they they, they both had a hand. In, well, all three of all them, three let's of say, them. Right. had a hand. Both creative teams. Let's let's put it that way. Both right. creative teams had a hand in this story to set up their ongoing. Right. So. But yeah, um, yeah. Like I said, we'll see. Like I said, the next book uh, out the pipe, according to Lisa, according to the end of this, I believe is Sam's uh, book. Right. Uh, in before May. yeah, before before Steve start. Um, like yeah, I need to get confirmation on that because uh, I I felt like I heard it was either going to be a one shot or or um or at the very least a, a mini series for Sam. But like I said, I'll look into that and and go back to because I know we talked about it in the past, but that was like a while ago. Mm-hmm. So and ultimately, regardless. it's you know it's my it's my guess just based on the art team that it's going to be the on it's going to be an ongoing. Right. I mean, I would, hey, if that's the case, I would love that. You know, that's fine. Have them, let, them, let them both have a book. It works for Spideys. Well, it's, what I was going to say is that at least they have a, they give a chance for the new Falcon to to, to stretch a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know, although uh, who's going to be running around with? I guess I guess they're going to split custody of Red Wing. No, this is going to stay with Sam. <laughs> <laughs> he was he was conspicuously absent in this issue. That is true, but I guess they they're saving that for for Sam's book. So um <laughs> So yeah. So but yeah, uh so that was that was that. Um um 
Oh, and they also didn't mention what Sam's shield is made of. They did not. Yeah, there was a there was a panel uh, comparing the shield, which I think I, that one panel I definitely have seen before uh, on the internet before. Because that matter of fact, I think that whole page was was put out previously. But yeah, I like the I like his shield. I hope they can do a um a thing of it. I can make a real a Marvel Legend. That too, but also make a real shield like they do with caps. I doubt. Oh yeah, it. I mean it's uh, yeah it's a Marvel Legend prop. I mean right. Oh yeah 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 yeah. yeah. So yeah. I, oh oh, before we move on, sure. because we uh, you know given the time we're probably going to go into rapid fire. Yep. Here's the last thing I do not like about this issue. Mm-hmm. They have cemented the paint scheme of the star to resemble the MCU <laughs> on his shield. Hmm. I draw the line there. I do not like that. I do not like that at all. I do not like green eggs and ham. Mm-hmm. That is no good, son. No good. Do not like that. Again, the paralyzation. There's all there's going to be. Actually, I didn't even notice it, but yeah, <laughs> it's there. It's there from jump. Right. It is there from jump in this issue. It is meant to you know correspond with the stat. No, the the, the state of the shield in the MCU. Mm-hmm. So don't like it. Don't like it. <laughs> don't like it at all indeed and with that uh yes we are definitely going to go into uh the rapid fire uh, ready yeah go for it i ain't got time to breathe appropriate sound effect coming off of what we just talked about Right. Um, you want to go ahead and get yours? Sure. So we've already hit the first two books that I had. Next up is the finale of The Good Asian. The Good Asian number 10 is... <clears throat> Excuse me. I missed the cough button. <clears throat> Good Asian number 10 is written by Pornsock Pinchetshot with art by Alexandra Tufenki. Colors by Lee Luffridge and letters by Jeff Powell. So this is the finale and there is a lot to this issue. There's a lot to unpack in this issue, a lot of exposition, because it is the unraveling of a 10 issue long mystery. And I can't say that it was the most effective closing of the mystery. At the same time, I thought it was semi-logical. Excuse me. I thought it was semi-logical, and also I noticed that Pichetshot leaves the door open for the next chapter in the story of Edison Hark at the end of this. So, uh, you know, we may get to see more stories revolving around the detective saga of, you know, the detective tales, the, the, the crime tales, the crime noir tales of Edison Hark in... Uh, you know, in the pages of another book. Next up is Hulk number six. I believe Roddy Cat read this. Yep. It is written by Donnie Cates with pencils by Ryan Otley, inks by Cliff Rathburn, colors by Frank Martin, and letters by VCs Corey Pettit. So um, I am not a fan of Ryan Otley's art. I have said this many, many times on this show. I put up with it on Amazing. I, you know, I've I've actually dropped this this Hulk book uh, from my physical pull list until, you know, uh, Otley is either replaced or you know the the story picks up. But yeah, I, I'm just not a I'm not keen on it. It's it's distracting to me. Some people like it. I don't agree with them, 
You know, it's a, it's a, it's a whatever floats your boat, right? But this is the last issue of the Smashtronaut story, wherein uh, Bruce Banner has equipped the Hulk with, um, let's just say, enhancements to make him space worthy, <laughs> and um, you know he's traveling the multiverse. You know, this is a quick recap of the first six issues of this series. And in this issue, we get the conclusion of the Smashtronaut story where the Hulk has been uh, on this um, version of Earth where the Hulk banner and Thaddeus Thunderbolt Ross have all taken on a very different roles. And in this issue, we have the emergence of yet another version of a Hulk, another persona, maybe another version of the Hulk. This may be uh, considered a first appearance for this type. You know, think of the first appearance of like the Mr. Fix-It Hulk uh, or the, the smart green Professor Hulk. This may be this may this issue may go down as the uh, first appearance of um the attack on Titan, I mean the Titan Hulk. You know? Yes. Do you have uh, anything to add? Uh one, this was a weird arc and kinda slightly hard to follow. Two Yes. Um and I think that's probably because Case was trying to go balls to the wall and sometimes it doesn't really fly that well in certain respects. Um and two, yeah, not only did we get that not only apparently because of this, the Hulk has a Hulk. As this new um, character is, impl- is the implication of, apparently there was a a Galactus Hulk <laughs> that showed up at the beginning of this. I'm right. sitting here like, okay, you just you just really going yeah. crazy here, uh, uh, Kate's I, I, or Kate's and Ollie probably. I don't know which one of them uh, probably suggested it, uh, but yeah, that that's pretty much all I got to say about this. Like, this is just a weird uh, a weird first arc. Um, yes. It's very weird. Yeah. So you know, I mean, there's a little bit of a character breakthrough when it comes to like the Hulk personality dealing with Banner right mm. towards the end, but we go right into an upcoming crossover with Thor. Right. You know, that's like literally the next thing that we see. Right, and I believe that is also Kate's uh, baby, correct? Right, because he is writing both Hulk and Thor at yep. the moment. So, yeah, so look out for that. Um, yeah, that's coming up soon, folks. Yeah. There's going to be a one-shot uh, called Hulk versus Thor, Banner of War. Alpha uh, number one. Goodness gracious, with the alphas. Mm-hmm. All right. Next up is Philadelphia number 21. It's written by Rodney Barnes with art by Jason Sean Alexander. Uh, with art assists by Herman Aramuspe or Aramusp. Sherard Jackson and Nicole Palmquist. Colors, as always, on this book are by Luis Nicht and letters by Marshall Dillon. So, Philadelphia has been a consistent, consistently good read over the course of its now 21-issue run. I'm starting to wonder if uh, Rodney Barnes is setting up a 25-issue a story, maybe a 30-issue story at most, because the, the the story here, the story arc here is entitled The End of All. And I wonder if that's 
uh, a tease for this, you know, uh, the the final arc of this book. And what I'll say is that um, there are a lot of revelations in this book. This is probably one of the more revelation heavy issues of this entire series. So if you have been trying to figure out where this book might be going, it is not going where you think it is until you figure out what's happening in this issue. This issue totally turns a lot of things that you thought were the case on their heads. And we have more real world characters being uh, woven into the story. Uh, If you are of Haitian descent, you will recognize the character's name that is brought in at the end of this issue. Hmm. Okay. All right. Uh, Next up is Nightwing number 91. It's written by Tom Taylor with art by Geraldo Borges or Borges and colors by Adriano Lucas. So this is the finale to the Get Dick Grayson storyline where in Blockbuster, um, is it Blockbuster? I think it's Blockbuster. The bad guy in Bloodhaven. Okay. I think that's his name. There is a blockbuster that used to run run up against the Teen Titans, so it's probably, I guess, I'm assuming that's the same. No, name. no, no. I, I, hold on. I got to double check because I, I, I don't want to get that wrong. Okay. I feel like it's blockbuster. Hold on. Uh, yeah, it is blockbuster. Okay. It absolutely is blockbuster. So, uh, yeah, he's the crime boss in Bloodhaven. And, you know, just to fill everyone in and, and, and get people caught up, you know, Dick Grayson in the comics has come into a lot of money thanks to the still dead, at least for now, Alfred Pennyworth. And uh, he is moving to use his money in a different way than Bruce Wayne did as a billionaire. He's looking to try to help out the people of Bloodhaven. And the crime boss of Bloodhaven wants none of that. And he's out to uh, knock off dick grayson uh by whatever means necessary and what i when i say that we really mean that he's hired uh assassins including kg beast and uh that is where we left off at the end of last issue and this issue involves dick grayson basically calling upon all of his friends his friend network in the superhero community to help him out uh, uh, take out not just KGBs, but also the network of assassins that have been uh, retained by Blockbuster to try to take out Dick Grayson. And at the end of this issue, we we see the effects of that and where uh, this may be going, uh, where the story may be going from this point forward. Last but not least is Wolverine number 20. It's written by Benjamin Percy. With art by Adam Kubert, colors by Frank Martin and Diho Lima, and letters by VCs Corey Pettit. So, this issue is kind of a welcome return to the storylines that Benjamin Percy had to put aside in the wake of Ten Lives and Ten Deaths of Wolverine, which surprisingly is already out on Marvel Unlimited. Not a plug, but it is a surprise drop. Uh, I guess 
they wanted people to have access to that so they could get caught up on what is going on with that. That might prove to be important when we get to the upcoming Hellfire Gala and other things happening in the X corner of the Marvel Universe. In this issue, we pick up on several plot threads that were left dangling when the book kind of went, well, basically went on hiatus while they were putting out 10 lives and 10 deaths. And Deadpool makes a big guest appearance in this book. And it and it's something that I mentioned to Roddy Cat before this, before the show, that uh, it's been a while since we've seen Deadpool in the printed comic. Roddy Cat mentioned that uh, Deadpool is still running around uh, in the pages of the... Um, the Marvel Unlimited comics, the digital comics, mm-hmm. and uh, you know the the weekly Marvel Unlimited digital comics. But uh, we have not seen much of Deadpool in the pages of the X books until now, and it's almost like a welcome bit. This is the role that I believe Deadpool is easiest to tolerate in. <laughs> it's easiest to tolerate him in this. It's a very uh, There's some breaking of the third and fourth walls here, and I don't know what that beep was. So wait, um, say what you just said, because you froze for a second, but I mean, say what you just said again. Oh, did I? Oh, maybe that's what that beep was. Maybe that was an interruption in somebody's internet signal, either mine or Roddy Cat's. Um, What what I was saying is that this is a welcome... uh, this is the way I'm. Uh, I'm okay with uh, Deadpool. I'm deal. I'm okay with dealing with Deadpool when it comes to this, like, kind of like a featured guest star appearance where he's uh, comic relief, and the and, and the book kind of uh, uh, revolves around some of the tropes that we've gotten used to with Deadpool, including the breaking of the fourth wall. Gotcha. All right, and. The uh, and as I said earlier, this issue picks up right where the Wolverine book left off in the uh, just prior to Ten Lives and Ten Deaths of Wolverine, and the issue ends up revealing not one but possibly two antagonists for Wolverine and Deadpool to deal with. There may be uh, literal machinations going on. And that is a big, big hint as to who is revealed to be possibly behind some of what's been going on in the pages of Wolverine. But, um, you know, we see that there are literally that there are actually two possible uh, two possible antagonists that Wolverine and Deadpool may be dealing with and two possible antagonists that have been in the shadows of this book from its inception. And that's it for me. Alrighty, so for myself, I was just looking at some weird news that has nothing to do with comic books, but okay. Um, let's see, for myself, we start off with Batman Superman, World's Finest number two. Two, 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 two. Soup. Uh, these covers are going to give me some really, really fits here, but that's fine. I'm going to work with it. Um... Creative team, Mark Wald, uh, art by Dan Mara, colors by Tamara Bonvillain, and letters by Aditya Bidikar. 
So after the events of the last um, uh, issue, we got the treatment of uh, of Superman for his um, his red kryptonite woes, uh, thanks to the help of the, the Doom Patrol. Um, and um, and then sets our dynamic duo, which now, in a way, is a foursome, because well, technically it was three because it was Batman and Robin, um, and then Superman was kind of coming in on this one. But now we have uh, a two split teams where uh, Batman and Superman are going to help a young man in Philadelphia. Um, and yes, folks, um, you may know who that person is just by that description alone. If you know of what DC character, who's a young kid who may be in Philadelphia or near Philadelphia, more specifically Fawcett County, but we're not gonna, we're not gonna talk about that. They go to help him against one Phoenix Faust, who apparently has got an upgrade. Uh, they get a little bit more knowledge as to who is the big bad, uh, coming out of this arc, which, um... I guess it's some demon, well, some, uh, they call him a demon. He was just a demon because there was some story that revolved around the past, which the next team of, uh, folks consisting of one very, uh, put off with each other, Robin and Supergirl, who apparently has some past issues, issues with each other, uh, because they greeted each other quite coldly as if they dated or something, uh, but reluctantly have to uh, team up with each other. And for some strange reason, Supergirl has the ability to just randomly go into the past. I'm like, when did this happen in her power set? I do not know. <laughs> so yeah, so you got those two teams um, um, with that and th- what they're dealing with. You see uh, Batman and Superman dealing with, uh, like I said, usually lightweight Felix Faust um uh, while this other team goes into the past to, I guess, find out more about this particular sword and this particular uh, bad guy that they're going to be going up against uh, in this arc. So it's it's been all right so far. I don't know how long I'm going to stick with it, but I just at the very least I wanted to see what this arc was going to be about um, in that. Next up, we have Trial of the Amazons, uh, Wonder Girl number two which is Trial of the Amazons Part 5, I believe, is where we are here. Uh, there you go. Nice little, um, it's not a cheesecake cover, but it's a nice little, nice cover for, for Yara. Um, and this takes up, um, again, like I said, with the Trial of the Amazons. At this point, Cassie Sandsmark knows who the killer is, and she is doing her full Columbo in this issue uh, because there are like three stories going on all at the same time. You have Cassie basically um, doing her Columbo bit and recounting the whole, uh, recount, recount, recounting uh, the crime that happened and who possibly did it. And we come, we do find out in the course of this who it was, which is a known figure in the DC universe, but I'm not sure why this person do did it. I'm not sure if that's still. Um, that hasn't necessarily been, been clarified yet, but I guess we'll find out. And, uh, the other two stories that were going on, uh, on the top and the bottom of the pages was, uh, Diana, who was trapped, uh, who was trapped as of her, um, part in the 
trial of the Amazons, digging herself out of the situation. And then on the other story was that the rest of the champions who were competing in the trial of the Amazons racing to get back to the palace to tell uh, to tell Nubia uh, what has happened to them during the pages of uh, the last Wonder Woman book. Uh, we got a nice little particular scene of um, of Yara Flar doing a superhero pose because she tripped over something. I don't know. The art was kind of weird on that one. Um, but uh, we, we see Yara kind of trip over server and, and the, the rest of them like, all right, hurry up, stop posing. I wanted one of them to say, you're such a poser. But Yara mm. does kind of say, it was like, all right, fine, but you owe me some posing time. So I thought that was kind of fun. I don't know if that was a, a an intentional dig somewhere um, or, or, or some way, but it was uh, it was pretty funny. Um, and, but yeah, the, like I said, I, this uh, whole trial of the Amazon Zens has been all right so far. And um, uh, there's been some really good art in here. I can definitely say that it was with a couple of books... Well, I guess the creative teams have been kind of on the art side, have uh, been kind of consistent. Um, so there's been some good stuff going on there for certain. It's uh, probably worth a check out if you're um, wanting to know what's going on in the pages of Wonder Woman. Uh, next up, we have Magic the Hidden Planeswalker number one, which is number one of four, apparently. Uh, this is a mini series surrounding the character if you know your Magic the Gathering lore uh, Liliana Vess um, who is a plain walker of note if you do know but um, at this point in the lore she is hiding out at um, the local, not the local but the magical school, the Hogwarts of the universe called Strixhaven as a teacher um, but of course there are people who know who she is uh, that have come to find her help. In fact, part of this issue uh, takes place um, around the last part of the first uh, uh, magic arc. Uh, that would be magic uh, number nine and ten. This takes place during there before going off into um, her dealings with trying to figure out why a particular other character was involved in this other situation uh, from that book and also what their actual not necessarily what they're actual but what the what they're basically trying to get into uh and what does she have to do with it because the character kind of comes into place coming to uh forcefully get some information from her and now she's really much pretty much on the hunters to figure out why even if she doesn't already wasn't trying to already figure out what this character's uh deal is coming through all of this so uh, if you're a Magic the Gathering fan and you know the character of Liliana Vess, um, then uh, you may be interested in this. There's a little bit of backstory in here, but not a whole, whole lot. Uh, next up, we have Transformers, the Beast Wars annual uh, for 2022, as they so name it. Or And all of this is pretty much three uh, stories. Actually, I forgot to get the... Uh, uh, the um, creative team for that magic thing but I'm not, don't worry about it um uh but the transformers beast war annual has like three different creative teams because there's three different stories uh set in the, the, the beast wars universe and a couple of them are actually they're all kind of sort of fun and i don't, don't think they're leading to anything because as we know idw is losing the um transformers license this summer but um if you um uh, are a fan of beast wars this um 
this is a treat, including the last story, which is pretty much a foreshadow. Well, pretty much kind of sort of foreshadows the uh, the events of um, Beast Machines, which is the second part of the Beast Wars uh, cartoon book. I mean, cartoon, not book, but cartoon uh, for folks that remembers it. So that was kind of interesting in itself. Uh, let's see. And then that actually is it for me. I did read a couple other books, but I didn't bother to put them down because it was like, eh. Mm. What were they? Um, Just out of curiosity. Uh, bu- 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 um, what actually were they? Um, oh, the Spider-Gwen, Spider-Verse, uh, Gwenverse book. Mm-hmm. And I started skimming it, even though I didn't actually read it, that uh, Doctor Strange Nexus of uh, Nightmares. Gotcha, 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 gotcha. Yeah, yeah. I, I thought about that Doctor Strange book simply because it has it features Nightmare. Right. And I'm like, hmm, I wonder if this is foreshadowing. Yeah, given the name and given I suspect that I suspect that's the case. But yeah, I don't know because I hadn't uh, I hadn't read it. All right, no spoilers here, folks. We don't know anything. The movie's exactly. still two weeks away. But we also know that, hey, the, that movie's coming out, so you know there was going to be a tie-in one way or the other. Right, or something Doctor Strange, because there is no actual current Doctor Strange book, because he's dead. Yes. Even though there is a Sorcerer Supreme running around. That is not right. him. Right, that's actually running around using the name Strange, but yes. definitely Stephen Strange is quite dead. Yes. In the regular Marvel Universe. For now. Surprisingly, exactly. Surprisingly so, given the fact that he's got a movie coming out uh, in two weeks. And I kind of wondered if that's going to play into the resolution of that uh, particular... Of the movie, right? No, not even of the movie. Of um, him being alive again. Mm. Being that the multiverse is involved. Right, not right, like right, right. not the first that they've done in the in the in the pages of Marvel Comics. So there are a few characters running around from other from other universes, right? That are in the main universe. So we'll see. Right. But it's gonna, actually, believe it or not, I actually before we move on to clicks of the week, mm-hmm. I wanted to say that um, I thought about rewatching a few of those episodes of What If. Yeah, I can see that. In prep, <laughs> in mm-hmm. prep for Doctor Strange. Mm-hmm. So. All righty, so here we go. Clicks Incoming of clicks of the week. Yeah, we didn't get anything from our other absentee hosts, so it's just us, us on this one. Do you have any candidates? Because that's what I've got. I've got candidates. I don't have a clear choice just yet. Candidates? Yes, I have. Um, like, like I think we said earlier, and actually somebody uh, in the chat mentioned it was a light week for Marvel. Like it was pretty much a light week for books all the way around. I'm my in my thinking, but definitely a light week for Marvel for certain. Mm-hmm. Um, but as far as the um, candidates, Trial of Amazon's uh, Wonder Girl number two, Avengers fifty five, um, and probably that Transformers Beast Wars annual. Right, I'm staying away from the groan inducing books for me at least this week. <laughs> Um, yeah, you no, know, Shang-Chi, they, Shang-Chi they weren't bad groans. They were just, you know, I couldn't get past some of the, 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 the corporate synergy there. Yeah. Uh, but then again, that's just, you know, I feel like I need, I, I'm going to look for a sound drop that, that talks about how, uh, both myself and Roddy cat are a little on the older side when it comes to, uh, reading comics. I mean, listen, most comic book readers nowadays are older anyway, but, but comic book, 
companies are still chasing after that younger demographic who, you know, they want to indoctrinate and make into older comic book readers down the line, right? Yes. So, you know, the, it makes sense that they would be trying to appeal to people who are just walking out of the movies or just catching up on the MCU and they want to, in, you know, incorporate some of that stuff so that it's more recognizable. And I understand that. But it's still groan-inducing for the old – for the – I like to call them old school is something this is something that I came up with. I think I've used it in, on the show, but I've actually used it in church more often. We're not old timers, we're long timers. <laughs> right? right? So we're long timers. We've been, you know, been around the way, been around the block a couple of times. So we've seen a lot of this stuff before and we see how they're changing things to try to get uh, get, get the attention and, and get the uh and get their hooks into new readers. But I'll tell you, my candidates are Philadelphia number 21, Wolverine number 20, surprisingly enough, with Deadpool. Mm-hmm. And despite the fact that there was a lot of exposition, I like the I like how the good Asian uh, wrapped up and, and left the door open for more adventures with Edison Hark, the detective. So mm-hmm. those are my candidates. Have you had a chance to figure out your tip of the week yet? Uh, yeah, kind of. I can say you for... Philadelphia and Good Asian, you've definitely been on both of those books uh, quite heavily. So that's uh, that's good that they've still been um, respectively holding holding their own. Mm-hmm. Um, but oh, the only reason I want to give Captain America Zero a shout out, and this is not my click, is because that moment that I mentioned with the the, the, the Predator <laughs> moment. <laughs> that that's that's pretty much it. Like that first that that moment and that page that is on um, with with them talking was pretty great. Uh, but yeah, that's, that's about it. Actually, I, at this point, I would probably would give it to the, for it, for that. Um, yeah. I'll, I'll, let me jump in and just say that mine is, I'm probably going to say Philadelphia number 21 with the good Asian number 10 coming in a close second. Okay. Although shout, like I said, shout out to Wolverine number 20 for doing a good job of picking up uh, the storylines that had been left dangling prior to uh, Ten Lives and Ten Deaths of Wolverine. Hmm. Okay. Um. I'll... So wait, I'm sorry. What, what, what did you say? You said um, Philadelphia. Philadelphia. Okay. Philadelphia number so, twenty-one. Gotcha. So I could put it in the thing. I guess I will go f- go with uh, so we can kind of move this along a little bit. Uh, Trial of the Amazon's Wonder Girl number two. Uh, for mine. I, I do like some things that that happened in that, uh, or at least, and especially the way it was laid out. So it was pretty cool. And with that, folks, we are going to go into the news. But first, an ad read. Our first ad read of the night is for Blue Apron's meal delivery service. Blue Apron has fresh ingredients and incredible recipes delivered weekly to your door. Skip the grocery store and make incredible meals at home with Blue Apron, always shipped free right to your home. And now the listeners of the Comic Book Chronicles can get $30 off your first Blue Apron order. To place your first order with $30 off and to help keep our show free for you, go to our network website at cspn.us. That's cspn.us. Then click on the Keep Our Podcast Free link at the top of the page. From there, scroll down to the Blue Apron link and sign up for your first order. Blue Apron through cspn.us. Do it today. And now we get into the news. Sam, you son of a bitch. Oh, um, sorry. Um, <laughs> we start off with, like we do every week with the Cinematic News. First up, um, 
why Guinan's Q summoning spell didn't work. This is a spoiler for last week's uh, Star Trek Picard. Uh, oh my gosh, I am so far behind on that. I need to catch up. I was good, but just I am now two episodes behind. Okay, well then. No, it's okay. Feel free to spoil it because yeah. it's gonna be. Uh, it'll be until the weekend when I finally catch up. So I'll be honest. I did not watch this week's yet, so I oh, okay. am not currently. I'm slightly behind. Um, but regardless, so yeah. Um, uh, young Guinan uh, tried to summon uh, Q, and it didn't work. And this article goes into uh, uh, postulating why that probably didn't. I'm thinking probably because he's losing his powers. <laughs> Which, that's, been, that's kind of a thing that's been already set up if you've been paying attention to the season. Um, which is, I guess, ultimately is going to lead to why he needs um, uh, Picard and Crew's help. Because... Not the first time that Q has either lost his powers or, or fell out of favor with the continuum or something like that. So it could be a mixture of both of those. Or I think actually he even said that he's dying or something like that. Or like he might have even said that. But um, regardless, that's probably why it didn't work. So move right along. Next. Next up, Riverdale Season 6 will feature the return of Kiernan Shipka. Uh, as I get rid of a pop-up. As Sabrina Spellman, the Mad Men actress, originated the role in the Netflix series The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, which ran for two seasons split into four parts between 2018 and 2020. I have not watched any of those. The series ended on New Year's Eve in 2020 with an episode that seemed to imply that the character who is a darker version of the Archie Comics character popularized on the Melissa Joan Hart sitcom Sabrina the Teenage Witch had sacrificed herself and would remain in the sweet hereafter with her love, Nick Scratch. However, in a supernatural world full of mysticism and magic, anything can happen. So, um, the CW's Riverdale um, has become increasingly supernatural. And AKA uh, weird. basically, what's that? AKA weird. Right. And basically, at, uh, uh, basically, um, uh, late last year, Sabrina made a surprise reappearance on Riverdale season six, episode four, providing a boost for the midseason finale before the series went on hiatus, returning uh, last month, March 20th, 2022. So that means Sabrina Spellman is set to return for yet another episode. Okay. Mm-hmm. And. Oh, great. That sounds like there's going to be a musical episode. Yay. Um, speaking of Riverdale news uh, and get, getting weird, uh, Riverdale's next lunacy involves time travel, because why the hell not, according to this article? So apparently the, the Riverdale crew are, um, are going to be time traveling. <laughs> as if, like I said, as if this show couldn't get, get um, crazy enough, because it started out as a pretty much CW show, and now it's like, okay... They're getting superpowers. Sabrina's back. I mean, yeah, Sabrina's doing some magic or whatever the case may be. And now, uh, time traveling in which somebody got sent back in time, and there's some flashbacks and some other stuff. I'm not gonna because I have no idea what's going on in in um in um in, in that show. Just know, hey, that's a thing. Next. 
Next up, actor Kerry Washington has joined the cast of The Simpsons as a permanent teaching replacement for Mrs. Edna Crabapple. The actor will play a teacher by the name of Ms. Peyton, who will make her debut in My Octopus and a Teacher on April 24th. Uh, regarding the role, Washington said she's a huge Simpsons fan, and she goes on to add uh, that she used to be a teacher in New York City public schools. That I did not know. Neither did I. I mean, can you imagine being a young kid and Kerry Washington's your teacher, especially know, right? like uh, uh, younger and, and, and a little bit more um, voluptuous Kerry Washington, not the skinny version we got now? Goodness Yo, gracious. I had Olivia Pope as my teacher, y'all. Woo! <laughs> and her mother is apparently a retired teacher. So mm. that's crazy. I did not know that. So that's pretty cool that she's playing a permanent character on The Simpsons. Coming from a family uh, full of, well, not full of teachers, but uh, with a lot of teachers, hey, shout out. Right. I was never one. <laughs> hmm. But uh, yeah, I thought, wait, is it, is it, I know what it looks like, but is it, I thought it was Crabapple. I oh, I think know. it is Crabapple. It's yeah. been a while since since, since I've uh, actually listened to The Simpsons or, you know, watched and listened to them say some of these names. Right. So I think it is Crabapple. Yeah. But, yeah, that's, you know how it looks and how it sounds, so mm -hmm. it is what it is. Blue Beetle taps Susan Sarandon to play a DC villain. Um, so according to the rap, uh, Sarandon has closed the deal to play... Oh, uh, I'm sorry. Uh, 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 I, I, I wanted to add, uh, hold your thought, that Krabappel was retired from teaching in the series following the passing of actor Marshall Wallace. Oh, right. The voice actor in 2013. Right. Oh, it's been that long. Right. Oh, that's right. I, had, I, mean, I, had, that's, I mean, I haven't watched The Simpsons in a long time, so I had no idea that the actress or the actor who played, who voiced uh, Krabappel had passed away that long ago. I feel like we talked about it, but again, that's, that's been a couple of years and we talked about a lot of stuff. Uh, yes, and I do remember reading in that article that, yeah, they were kind of him in the hall or whether they were going to replace her or not because they've had like substitute teachers voice actors right. you know substitute until they until they did this and i think that article kind of mentions that oh i had no idea because you know they what, what is that they're signing up uh carrie washington to, to make several appearances throughout season 34 my goodness <laughs> i know the show will never die um but yeah but back to this um susan surrender thing so yeah previously sharon stone was supposed to play was in talks to play, uh, I guess, the same character that Susan Sarandon's player, which is uh, Victoria Corda, I'm assuming. I believe the name, that's what it was. Uh, but I guess that didn't work out, and now it's uh, Susan Sarandon who is doing that. And yes, uh, Victoria Cord, uh, for those in the know, I guess some relation to Ted Cord, or maybe the parallel, we don't know. Next. Okay, uh, next up, Riverdale star K.J. Appa and 1883 actress Isabel may have nabbed the alien sibling lead roles in The Wonder Twins. Activate a live-action DC comedy for HBO Max. Appa will play Zan, and May will portray Jaina. While the plotline is under wraps, Jaina is known for her talent of transforming into form of an animal, while Zan is a shapeshifter of sorts. Come on, it's supposed to be like um form of water. Yes. Come on, shapeshifter of sorts. The characters <laughs> made their debut on the all-new Super Friends Hour from Hanna-Barbera and then appeared in the world's greatest Super Friends, Super Friends and 
Super Friends, the legendary superpower show. All of that stuff is got to be of a certain. You got to be of a certain vintage to remember those appearances. Absolutely, and I think most, if not all, of those are on HBO Max. Not a plug, just saying. Uh, but a but a Wonder Twins live action movie. That's, that's still weird to hear. Um, we can't get a good. You know, we. Uh, I mean, the Batman is now on HBO Max. We can't get a yeah. decent Batman movie, but we're getting a Wonder Twins movie. We can't get a decent Justice League movie. We've gotten decent Batman movies in the past, but mm-hmm. <laughs> we can't get a good Justice League movie. Although some people are swearing by that particular stupid cut that went on too long. Those right. people are crazy. Um, anywho, DC's Constantine show reportedly eyeing Sope Derisu uh, and the lead role. So apparently they're still doing that Constantine reboot. Uh, not with Matt Ryan, uh, apparently. Uh, but they may be going with uh, this dude who is from what show he was he on? Gangs of London. Oh, Gangs of London, Humans, and the Halcyon. Some other stuff. Um, if this thing continues to go, so hey, we'll we'll see if that goes off the ground. Next. Ah, next up. <laughs> The classic Sega beat 'em up franchise, Streets of Rage, is uh, returning with Dotemu's Streets of Rage 4 and will now get a movie penned by Derek Kolstad, the creator of John Wick. So, this is an adaptation. This is news of an adaptation to the big screen. Uh, sources have claimed Sega has greenlit a Streets of Rage movie on the back of Sonic the Hedgehog 2's success with John Wick franchise creator Derek Kolstad penning the script for the film. Okay. At least the action scenes should be alright, you would think. Uh, Netflix reportedly kills long-awaited animated Bone Project. So, according to the rap, uh, this on-again, off of thing, that's my editorialization, because I do remember hearing about this off and on. There was supposed to be uh, an animated... Uh, series based off the comic book Bone, of which I've never read, but it sounds like according to the rap, this may or may not happen. Um, and yes, folks, if uh, folks have been keeping up with recent news about Netflix, it probably has something to do with the recent um, killings of shows that they've been doing, and probably the loss of uh, subscribers. Although the loss of subscribers is probably because they keep raising the doggone prices on Netflix. Mm-hmm more than anything else and doing all these other things. But yeah, there's uh, Netflix has been uh, canceling a lot of stuff lately. So this could very well be part of that, but we don't know that for certain. Next. Next up, the next fast and furious <laughs> movie. Of course, this story would come to me. Ha ha. Next fast and furious movie is called fast X and Vin Diesel has confirmed that filming has begun. Uh, Vin Diesel posted an image to Instagram with what appears to be the new film's logo being called Fast X would make sense given it's the 10th mainline film. Diesel included the caption day one indicating that production has begun but did not give much else away about the next entry in the franchise which already spans more than two decades. Uh, I really need to get uh, you know as much as we don't like uh, as uh, as we try not to do too much to support uh, Mel Gibson, I feel like, uh, and I'm getting too old for this. Blank is gonna be the sound drop that uh, that I, I pull maybe for for uh, for Murtaugh. 
Oh, I was about to say that's Danny Glover, so that's fine. We can do that. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah. We can do that. So all you day. know, maybe I'll pull, maybe I'll pull that for uh, a getting old thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's um, you know, we got some news last week that Brie Larson had sh- had joined the Fast and Furious cast, mm. and now we've got uh, you know, in addition to Jason Momoa and uh, Daniela Melchior is also joining the movie. Mm-hmm. So you know, it's just going to get bigger and probably dumber. Um, Fast X will be the first half of a two-part finale for the franchise and will arrive in theaters on May 19th, 2023. The first half of a two-part <laughs> finale, folks. Because you can't have a franchise nowadays without doing that. Exactly. I live my life a quarter mile at a time. There it is. Yeah, he also said in his article that this was apparently day one of filming uh, when it, when this announcement came out. So here's my thing on this. Um, one, I'm not going to, because I wasn't going to pull the story, but I was like, nope, this is too stupid. Apparently, people don't like the name Fast X. And I think there was like a subtitle or either or, or someone had mentioned that um, something about Fast 10, your seatbelts. And, oh. and they want that to be the title instead of this. So, and I would just like to to uh, make it known that, and I said this on Twitter, so if you follow me there, which I, you probably don't, you probably heard this already, but uh, Fast, and, uh, Fast and Furious is not the only franchise to have an X with the title. There was um, uh, Friday the 13th, which had a very terrible um, movie called Jason X. Right. Uh, so I'm just saying. Also, that's why I'm going to come to Fast 10, because it just joined the, the, the Muslim, because it's now Muslim. <laughs> ah, walikum salam, right? Okay. <laughs> Goodness gracious. I think you got next. Yes, I do. Uh, I, uh let's see. Dungeons and Dragons movie announces title and release date. I would get this one. Uh so yes, that's um um, well, it says official D and D direct. Oh yeah, they, they had a D and D direct because they doing some other stuff, which we'll talk about later. But um, there was a, there's a Dungeons and Dragons movie that's now going to be called Dungeons and Dragons: Honor Among Thieves, and they showed a logo uh, and the premiere date of uh, March third, twenty twenty three. I'm going to presume it has nothing to do with that terrible um, other. I think that was a D and D one actually with Marlon Wayans. If I'm if I'm not mistaken, but yeah, this one's got Chris Pine, and I'm not sure who else is in it. Oh wait, Chris Pine, Michelle Rodriguez, Hugh Grant, and Justice Smith, uh, Sophia Lillis, and Reggie Reggie John Page. I guess that's yeah, that's the dude from um, uh, Bridgerton. Mm-hmm. So, and I guess there's one other commercial that I keep seeing all the time. But anyway, yeah. So yeah, there you go. Dungeons and Dragons movie. Hope it don't suck. Next. Next up in unfortunate news, Marvel fans are going to have to wait a little bit longer than expected for Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse Part 1, the upcoming sequel to Sony's 2018 animated film Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. As reported by Deadline, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse Part 1 has uh, lost its October 7th, 2022 release date and is now slated to swing into theaters on June 2nd, 2023. Additionally, the film's direct follow-up Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse Part 2 has now 
set a release date of March 29th, 2024. God willing, we're still around to see this. Part two was previously eyeing a 2023 debut, but no specific release date had been announced. So, yeah, you know, uh, the only thing I have to say to this is animation takes a long time. It can, yeah. Especially with what they were going with, you know. And plus, you know, hey, COVID is still a thing because you right. stupid people won't stop, won't, won't, won't mask up. Anyway, <clears throat> next up. Um, also, the, the release date was uh, around the friend of mine's birthday. He's kind of bummed about that, so... Big news, uh, though, because the first teaser trailer for Thor Love and Thunder has been released. I know you all have seen it, Agent 70. I, what do you think? That was pretty crazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was pretty crazy. Uh, a lot of this stuff had been spoiled just a little bit in, in, the, in terms of the, the, the costume reveals because of the Marvel Legends reveals that right. came a little early. And then Hasbro had to come out and just do their own reveal mm-hmm. of, the, uh, of the figures. But uh, it was an interesting trailer teaser. Also, one character was noticeably absent. Beta Ray Bill. Well... <laughs> At least in terms of what had been announced, what's been announced, there's one character noticeably absent. Wait, who are you talking about? Uh, Christian Bale's Gore, oh, the God Butcher. Right. And that is a very curious and very glaring omission from this first trailer. So it's interesting to see how they are setting this up. More likely than not, the, this trailer involves maybe the first 10 minutes of the movie. Hmm. You know, well, that's probably the extent of what we're going to see the Guardians. You know, that's going to be the extent of what we see from the Guardians in this Thor movie. Probably. Yeah. And to be fair, this is a teaser trailer and not a full, you know, official. Well, I mean, it's official, but a, a full length trailer, I would say, just as right. a teaser. So, so right. yeah, I suspect by the time they get around to that one, we'll probably will see more of uh, um, Bane Man. Batman, whatever. But we yeah, I was about to, to say see. you said Bane Man. I'm like, it's not Tom Hardy. <laughs> yeah, I guess I should have said Bale Man, but yeah, yeah. I was about uh, to say American Psycho Man, maybe. Yeah. Je- uh, wait, did you play John Connor? He he was in one of those. I don't. Yeah, he no was in one of those Terminator that. movies that I never watched. Yeah, we don't we don't talk about that one. Actually, that one he was in Salvation. <laughs> that one, take that back. Salva- Salvation that, wasn't but. wasn't terrible. No, but he's still in the stream of things. Yeah. Anyway, but we did get to see um, Jane Foster, Thor, a shot of her, um, and Mjolnir in its uh, recreated state. So, yeah, good stuff. Um. I'm looking forward to seeing more. Not too much more because I just want the movie to come out. But regardless, um, next up, yeah, I've got this one. Mm-hmm. Marvel's Hawkeye and Eternals receive special disability representation recognition. Two of the newest pro- those two new projects have been honored by the Ruderman Family Foundation for accurately portraying disability in media. The news is disclosed by THR, the Hollywood Reporter that the foundation has recognized both properties, each earning the seal of authentic representation. Eternals featured deaf actor Lauren Ridloff as Makari, and uh, in Disney Plus's Hawkeye, Alakwa Cox, deaf and also an amputee, starred as Maya Lopez, uh, also known as Echo, 
And uh, the film and the Disney Plus series showcase these characters communicating with others through American Sign Language. It's pretty cool. Yeah, it is. Uh, and speaking of Echo, um, Alaco Cox confirms that uh, Echo spinoff is now filming. Uh, uh, so yeah, Alaco uh, Cox, who, as we just said, uh, is playing Echo or has played Echo and will again, posted a picture on Instagram of flowers she re- received from Reservation Dogs actor Devery uh, Jacobs, who wished her the best for the first day of uh, from the first day of shooting on April twenty first which was yesterday as of this recording when we started. Um, so um, aside from uh, providing a concrete start date for the shoot, uh, the post uh, also fueled speculation that Jacobs is a part of the ser- uh, cast also. I mean, sure, speculation is what it is. Next up. So this is spo- uh, a mild, mild spoiler for last week's episode, the third episode of Moon Knight on Disney+. Plus. So... In that episode, the back of a young thug's jacket, in a blink-and-you'll-miss-it moment, shows a likeness reminiscent of Pharaoh Rama Tut, an identity at one time adopted in the comics by the time-traveling villain Kang. So, funny you should mention that, because I was, that's the thing I was going to mention earlier, because when Stephen was, was opening that sarcophagus up, I thought about Rama Tut. Mm. Or before he did, I was like, I thought he was going to say Ramatut. It was like this is this is the sarcophagus of Ramatut. I'm like, I was waiting for him to say, it and he didn't say it. I was like, oh well. <laughs> so, so that was funny. Um, next up, speaking of, I guess we can kind of say we can go on into anime corner with this news. If you want to spin, it. Oh, okay, I will spin something up. Is that Haikyuu? Uh, no, that's from uh, My Hero Academia. That was one or the other. Um, Tokyo Ghoul Creator debuts official Moon Knight art for series' Japanese premiere. So, um, as promoted by Manton Webb and translated by Crunchyroll, uh, Sui Ishida created a new illustration that shows the Marvel Cinematic Universe's newest hero alongside uh, Ken Kaneki, uh, the protagonist of his own uh, manga. Uh, the collaboration is, collaboration is being done to promote the release of the new Disney Plus show in the region. Uh, Ishida uh, expressed his excitement for the new show, stating that uh, Moon Knight's dark world of beautiful images attracted him to the property. Uh, the artist praised the new series setting. I could feel the dark charm of the world filled with fast action scenes and rough violent scenes that make it uh, hard to call Moon Knight a hero. Also like the comical and sorrowful personality of the main character, Steven. So he feels better about Steven than a lot of other people I've seen on the internet. Yeah. <laughs> Next up. All right, the Komedo Tapestry oh, yeah. unra- unravels to reveal the first look trailer at Demon Slayer Kimetsu no Yaiba Swordsmith Village Arc TV anime. So it's been a few months since the Entertainment District arc ended for Demon Slayer. So this is a cool teaser for um, for the for the upcoming uh, adaptation of the manga. So this was at the Kometsu Festival third anniversary celebration at Makuhari Messi. Um, they unveiled the first look at the Swordsmith Village arc, uh, which is um, 
And, and the teaser trailer was shown off in the Komatsu Party Entertainment District Arc panel, uh, which was live streamed in English and traditional Chinese with a v- video on demand available for it. I watched this trailer. It's pretty cool. I was going to ask. Yeah, I did too. Like, all right, yes, I'm just looking for just bring shit on. I'm ready for it. <laughs> yeah, I, I, uh, uh, what you call it? I, I, uh, I had some people comment that this was their favorite arc in the manga. Oh, oh, having read it, gotcha. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Having read it, I have not read this manga myself, so I can't comment in the same way. But, yeah. uh, I, you know, I, I had it on good word that this was their favorite arc in the manga. So I'm hoping for, you know, I'm, I'm pretty sure it's, it's going to be good. So. Yeah, not doubting it. And I, yeah, which guys reminds me, I, I'm like two seconds from plunking down money on a on a place to read manga, a specific place to read manga, because between that and one or two that I can't find uh, elsewhere that I know is on uh, Visa's site, like I'm mm-hmm. almost going to do it, but I don't want to. <laughs> right, anyway. because at the end of the day, if you're you know if you're able to find other means, then that's great. But then you're not supporting the the, the manga artist, the manga car, right? Correct. So ultimately, you know, just hoping uh, to uh, help out. Um, you know, they don't always come out on a weekly basis. Sometimes there's you know uh, breaks in between. Like uh, you know, for anyone that's been keeping up with the the finale, basically of My Hero Academia. Uh, like I have, I've been reading it on, uh, on on Viz, on Shonen Jump, and it's been free, obviously, because I'm up to date. Oh, but right, it hasn't, the there hasn't been a new chapter the, in a couple of weeks. So. Right, because they do the first three and the last three for free or something like that. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. So you have to basically, you know, get up to date, and then once you're up to date, you can follow along. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah, exactly, and that's what it was like because I read the first three of uh, Spy Family. I'm like, mm, I kind of want to, but you know, let's see. Uh, regardless, uh, that's uh, another conversation for another time. Meet the heroes and villain of uh, Dragon Ball Super Superhero in character visuals. So after the new date for Dragon Ball Super Superhero was revealed the other day, um, I don't remember if we ever talked about that. Uh, the official Twitter account uh, for the next story in the Dragon Ball franchise revealed a slew of character visuals on both sides of the fight, including returning father and son duo Piccolo and Gohan, nicely done, Crunchyroll, uh, Goku, Vegeta, and Pan, and newcomers uh, Gamma 1, Gamma 2, and Dr. Hedo or Hedo, whichever one that is. Uh, That's funny. That's yeah. funny that they actually make Piccolo Gohan's father, or at least his stand-in father figure. Yeah. Even more of a father than his actual dad. Everybody knows this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm hoping they do right by Gohan, because they've, they've screwed him up. I mean, I think from what you told me or from what I've seen otherwise, the Super kind of started going a little ways to kind of straighten him out a little bit. Oh, you mean from the ending of Z? Yeah. Yeah, a little bit, yeah. Yeah, so I still need to get caught up with Super anyway, so either that. Next up. I, I did happen to see that Z is now fully on Crunchyroll. Mm. You know, we talked about it. Yes, we did. But yeah. uh, I did happen to flip on and see that that is, in fact, the case. Mm-hmm. All righty. Sailor Moon's 30th anniversary celebration. 30? Yeah. Again, I got to pull this sound drop about getting too old for all this. Sailor Moon's 30th anniversary celebration will be live streamed through YouTube. So it was announced by Japanese entertainment site Mantan Web. A special celebration event about the beloved classic anime series will be streamed on YouTube on April 28th. The live stream will mark the 30th anniversary of the original 1992 Sailor Moon anime's premiere. Goodness gracious. Sure. 
that's a thing. <laughs> to be goodness fair, I've watched, gracious, I watched some Sailor Moon, not the whole thing, because that thing kind of uh, definitely not for me. Well, definitely was not built for, for for me, but it's yeah, not part of the target demographic here. But it has had some moments. I, I will say it was like, huh, okay, weird, but interesting. Shaman King announces sequel anime with moody teaser trailer. Um, so apparently they're bringing that thing back. Um, actually, I may or may have meant to take this out of here but as reported by comic natalie whoever the hell that is um the new show was announced after the final episode of the 2021 reboot series uh was broadcast in japan uh there was a brief teaser trailer which showed um young hana asakura uh the son of shaman king protagonist yo asakura and anna uh, kiyama uh was shown suggesting that the new anime may be adapting the um Maybe an adaptation of Shaman King Flowers, the 2012 sequel manga by Hiroyuki Takai. Uh, Takei. Uh, additional details about the new series, including this cast, crew, and premiere date, were not revealed at this time. Uh, your your thing. microphone went fuzzy, like for that entire thing. That's fine. Who cares? It's in the show notes. <laughs> it's Shaman King. If you unless you watch it on four kids, you 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 know what it is. Next up, we're moving into the comic book. Um, uh, news, but staying in the the, the manga, uh, the um, anime zone. All right. Uh, Jujutsu Kaisen's Dolce and Gabbana collab reveals fashionable new art. So yeah, uh, the 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 folks from Jujutsu, Jujutsu Kaisen got some drip thanks to uh, Dolce and Gabbana. You can. Check it out. I guess this is also a, a report by uh, Comic Natalie. Uh, there was a new illustration shown. The main cast in um, DG Wear. You can see it in the show notes. Sure. It's good looking stuff, I guess. Uh, and a promo. Next up. <laughs> Next up, Moon Knight fans have stumbled upon Mark Spector's long lost manga. So, um... It turns out that Mark Spector did, in fact, have a series of his own decades ago, thanks in part to a partnership between Marvel Comics and Toei. Not only did this manga arrive, but Toei came close to giving Mark his very own television appearance to boot, following in the footsteps of Spider-Man and Dracula. While the manga has basically been lost to the seas of time, netizens managed to discover various panels from Toei's take on Mark Spector. The collaboration between the entertainment company and Marvel did see some heroes and villains of the comic company receive projects of their own. The now infamous live-action Japanese Supida-Man series was a byproduct of this partnership, along with the anime special Dracula, Sovereign of the Damned. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's sad. Uh, that the, 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 the manga sloth. I would be curious about that. All right, now we get into the toy corner uh, with Hasbro unveiling uh, Power Rangers Sword and Power Sword and New Ninjetti figures. So yeah, um, they may have mined the Mighty Morphin era and now going into the next era. So Hasbro recently gave Power Rangers a little more time to shine as they announced a few new items for the Lightning Collection. Uh, releasing this July for twenty four ninety nine, the red, pink, and yellow uh, Ninja or Ninjetti Rangers will be released. Um, if you don't know who those are, then you probably don't care about any of this either way. Um, there are pictures here. You can see them, and I believe there's also a Power Sword. Um, yep, there's a, a picture of the Power Sword uh, from that era. 
um, for you to get. And I'm not sure how much that is. Oh, yes, yeah, so here we go. $219. And it has a lot of lights and effects. Yep. Next up. And that's going to be released in August. Next. Next up. Uh, so if you prefer official press images over the in-hand images that were revealed, um, as I said earlier, Marvel and Hasbro released official images of the new wave of Thor, Love and Thunder, six-inch Marvel Legends figures that are going to be officially available everywhere starting on April 26th, including uh, online stores. The wave includes Mighty Thor, Gene Foster, Groot, Gore, the God Butcher, King Valkyrie, Star-Lord, Ravager, Thor, and Thor with the Build-A-Figure being Korg in Viking gear. Um, as the, the Toy Corner um, Love Marjorie Legends aficionado on the cast, what do you think? I thought that it was mostly cool. It's not something that I'm going to, you know, I'm not that big in uh, uh, a collector of the MCU versions of these characters, but I definitely like some of these figures and some of their designs. I'm not so keen on the helmet that Thor has in that armored look. I think yeah. it's a bit overdone. I see what they're going for because it's a it's an amalgam, it's an amalgamation of like the 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 blue and yellow armor from Simonson's run mm -hmm. when he was cursed by Hela with brittle bones, mm -hmm. you know, with the with the inability to heal, and the inability to die. Right back during Simonson's run. Spoiler alert for the, for a run that long ago. You all should read it. Um, <laughs> Uh, and also some of the King Thor stuff. That's where the that's where the 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 the, the spikes on the you know the the points on the helmet seem to come from, like from the sides of his face. Right. So um, it's it's definitely like an amalgamation of those two designs. I'm not a fan of that. I wish they had stuck with the original uh, Simonson armored Thor look. It looks so much nicer. But you know I you know you know it's like fodder for uh, uh, customizers. Pretty much, but otherwise, I, I really like the likeness that they had that they gave Jane Foster. It's actually pretty strong. For you know, the unmasked, unhelmeted version. It's actually a pretty strong Jane uh, uh, Natalie Portman likeness. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I did see. I did see. Um, I don't know if you have it in the news. I did see um, James Gunn uh, uh, posted a, 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 a Photoshop of the the Natalie Portman. Uh, Mighty Thor with the helmet, uh, the Peacemaker helmet on oh, instead. Yeah, I did see that, but no, I don't have it in the news. And, and also, I did see a meme where, um, where, where it's uh, Anakin, where, where there's Thor, there's a picture, there's an image of Thor and an image of Anakin, and Anakin is yelling out, "You turned her against me!" <laughs> and you have Mighty Thor, Jane Foster, you know, Natalie Portman on the as the third picture. So nice. I kind of, I, I got a giggle out of that. But I did, see, but you know, I had, a, you know, I had a, uh, an okay, like a, like a good reaction to those figures. Like I said, you know, uh, it gives me hope that they might actually do an armored Thor Marvel Legend eventually. Mm -hmm. You know, in, in the the vein of the, the Simonson run. Right. Uh, but um, but yeah, you know, it, it uh, you know, the only spoiler was that you know you got to see some of these figures before the trailer, so you got right. to you know see what some of the character progressions might be right because i believe yeah right after that trailer uh, trailer dropped this uh this the official right the official figure images came out yeah yeah 
So you got Gore, uh, Gore the guy Bush and what Valkyrie's going to look like. And, you know, obviously Jane Foster's already was in the trailer. So, and, right. and half of these other folks. So there you go. <coughs> Speaking of um, uh, Marvel Legends figures, those were not the only ones to come out uh, this past week because they're um, during their Fan Tuesday live stream on the 19th. Um, there was a bunch of Spider-Man for that was celebrating Spider-Man 60th anniversary figure uh, stuff uh, and some Marvel Legends 20th anniversary two packs and some uh, some more stuff. So we got like um, uh, a two pack with uh, Null and Venom. Uh, Which is a really nice looking pack. If I were fans of these characters, I would be beating down the, uh, you know, I would be beating down the, the door to uh, get my hands on that. But mm-hmm. in addition to all the figures that Roddy Cat is going to announce there, uh, Hasbro also on the, it's not even on the L, on the low they announced a very large price hike for a lot of their figures. That two pack that Roddy Cat just mentioned that includes Null and Ven- King, you know, King Venom is seventy seven ninety nine. Mm-hmm. You know, they're charging us for all of the little plastic bits and accessories. I mean, obviously, look, there are more, you know, these are very big molded pieces that, you know, those wings that go on Eddie Brock's Venom. But that's a lot of money for two Marvel Legends. Right. Because we've seen two packs previously and they were not well, they were at least like what good twenty dollars cheaper in right. some cases. Right. And 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 you're about to get to another two pack that is a little on the high price side. Yes, Ned Leeds and Peter Parker from uh from, from Spider Man Homecoming and well from the, the the from the um from that series, I should say. <laughs> um so yeah, yeah but specifically was... specifically I think from Homecoming. Right. Uh and that one's fifty five ninety nine. And it yep. looks like and all you looks like all you get is like backpacks for each of them. Uh, another head for or two heads for either one. You got one head for Ned that's got the uh, the Spidey um, um, the Spidey mask on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, you get hands for Peter, and you get right. a book and a book. So yeah, there you go. Mm-hmm. And of right. course, you next, got. Like, I was about to uh, say next up. I was about to say next up. We can alternate this because there's a bunch here. Sure, go for it. So next up, we have. From you know, it's a two pack again for fifty five ninety nine, um, of Spider Man and Marvel Spinneret. This is from uh, Renew Your Vows. This is from Secret Wars. This is from the Renew Your Vows story. Mm-hmm. You know, and what's notable about this is that you get new uh, unmasked Peter Parker and Mary Jane Watson heads as well as you get multiple hands for these. Cause you know, that's what you get with Spider-Man figures. But what's notable about the Spider-Man figure is that it is pinless. You know, you don't see the pins on the, on the figure. And also it is, it has extra posable joints. So this is probably the most posable Spider-Man Marvel legend that we've gotten to date and it's pinless. So it's going to be in high demand. My understanding is that the pre-order has sold out in a lot of places on this set. Yeah, too bad that dude's not doing that. Um, I'm a Marvel Armor DC stuff anymore. He's probably going to use this. <laughs> uh, if you know those videos, and of course you got um, getting into the single stuff, and that one did you say the price fifty nine nine fifty five nine yeah uh, ninety five yep. yeah. Um, and then next up you got Iron Spider, which is uh, on pre order for thirty three ninety nine, and then it kind of goes from there, honestly. Right. Yeah, sell suit for twenty seven ninety nine. Right. You can see that you know they charge you a little bit for every extra plastic bit that they add, mm-hmm. right? 
So since the Iron Spider has those extra spider legs, as it were, they charge you for that. Uh, the Future Foundation Spidey suit that's up next, they charge you a little bit extra for the bit of webbing that they have. It's twenty seven ninety nine. Mm-hmm. Uh, you want to take the next one? Because the next one was a shock to a lot of people, even though we all expected it from the original Marvel Legends wave. Yeah, so we got a toad coming. Yes. For thirty three ninety nine, And most of the stuff is coming out in December. Uh, it's between now and... Uh, well, most of it looks like it's in December, but some some of it's not. So yeah, thirty three ninety nine for a toad. Right. And this is, you know, it's it's the uh, the next generation toad. It's a skinnier toad. The original toad is really ugly. Uh, but you do get two little toads and frogs as a, a, in addition to an alternate head and hand. So, you know, that's that's a bit much. That's like that. That's going to be a figure that's going to go on discount. So you may want to wait on that one. Right. And I guess this background that they're showing is also comes with it. Yeah. Yep. 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 So and then, then the next one. Oh, Spider-Ham? No, he's not the star of the figure. It's actually <laughs> Spider-Man Noir with another Spider-Ham. So this was actually r- relatively reasonably priced. It's a Target exclusive. It's twenty nine ninety nine, mm. Available in December. So I hate exclusives. Hate them, hate them, hate them. Especially Target and Walmart. And speaking of Walmart, mm-hmm. Marvel yeah. Legends has a new lizard. It's a more comic like old school comic animated series-esque lizard he's skinnier he's actually got a wire tail which is cool so it's easy, it's more poseable and it comes with an alternate head and flasks um containing um you know alternate hands and flasks containing sciencey stuff and this is 29.99 mm-hmm. and last but not least uh, of this we got another two-pack which is uh silk and dark arc Right. This has already been set up for pre-order on Amazon. It's an exclusive Amazon figure. $55.99, as Roddy Cat said. This is actually something I'm looking to get, even though I already have the previous Doc Ock version. I really am looking forward to getting the silk. I have a silk. Um Do you have the gray the gray one with the long hair? Yeah. I believe so. Yeah, I have that one too. I have that one too. I'd like to get this one with the short hair though. That's kind of cool. And right. the white mm-hmm. costume. And that's what I was thinking. I was like, I'm debating this because I know I don't have a Doc Ock, so I probably may be more prone to get this one if, or, than not. But we shall see. Right. Uh, but that's it for that. So all that's out there, you can you can have at it at your leisure. Yeah, this is our version of Toy Corner where we're talking about all the new stuff we hope we can get. Yeah. Um, going on, uh, I'll take, go ahead and take this one. Cause, uh, sure. Uh, Hasbro is buying D&D Beyond, one of uh, Dungeons & Dragons' biggest digital tool sets. Now, for those of y'all like me uh, who have used this thing and possibly thought that they had already had owned this because of the fact that Wizards of the Coast uh, owns the Dragons & Dragons, apparently they did not. Uh, but yeah, so D&D Beyond is basically a site where you can uh, make and keep track of your character sheets and there's some other stuff they got, like, uh, you know, uh, I think they got rule books and stuff in there. Uh, that part I haven't really used. Uh, but, you know, it's a resource that people have um, used readily in their digital um, D&D lifestyles at this point. But now Hasbro's are going to own them and putting them uh, more than likely with the rest of the D&D stuff that they already have. So uh, what that changes, I don't not I do not know. But uh, it says that the press release says that it's a strategic acquisition. Which I'm again surprised that they didn't have this before now. But um, uh, it says the website has about 10 million users and was bought for nearly 150 million in cash. Wow. 
But it's a good site, so I don't blame them. So. I mean, it makes sense. Oh yeah, totally. you know, because because apparently fandom was paying heavy royalties to uh, Hasbro to use it. You know, because it is the official the official digital tool set. Right. So now they don't have to. <laughs> so, and speaking of D and D news. D&D announces Spelljammer's Adventure Reboot, a new new spacefaring races, and more. So Wizards of the Coast debuted its new D&D Direct event and started things off with a bang by introducing the upcoming Dungeons & Dragons space campaign setting guidebook Spelljammer Adventures in Space. Um, So it's uh, going to have a multi-volume set and... It adds six new races, a host of new monsters, and a 12-episode module for players to engage in. Uh, let's see here. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, there's a whole bunch of news regarding that. And there's going to be other cool new stuff coming out from D&D. Pre-orders for that Spelljammer's Adventures in Space are available now at the list price of $69.99, which is roughly in that D&D ballpark right now. Yeah, pretty much. I, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of curious. I don't know too many people running campaigns, but I don't know how many would have wanted them to to go in space. But I'm very curious as to how this how this goes for folks. I might even look into seeing what the uh, seeing the checking out the guidebook. Speaking of guidebooks to check out, and I'm gonna take these next two because they're related. Uh, Demi Plan sure. announces official tool set for Marvel Multiverse RPG. So we've talked about this in in the past, and I know both uh, Agents uh, Seventy and I have had. Um, uh, curiosities about this. Um, but the playtesting tool, the digital playtesting tools uh, are being done by Demiplane uh, and they are out. Um, uh, let's say they, they cost $9.99, the same as the playtest rulebook, which by the way is also out. Um, you can order the the, uh, the playtest rulebook uh, physically or digitally, or if you use Roll20, uh, you can also buy the set there because that is the official um, uh, uh, digital me- mechanic that they're going to use. And I actually have the web page up for Roll20 to, to buy that stuff. Uh, I have a rule book coming to me at uh, Amazon in a couple of days. I'm thinking about getting the um, digital version just so I can check this out because I'm very curious a- about this thing and have been since we got a hold of uh, the old TC, the old uh, Marvel TCG stuff. So, that's right. Um, but yeah, so yeah, that stuff's out there. Um, and obviously, the, so the playtest is not the, 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 um, the, um, like the official official stuff. This is just the stuff for, uh, you're basically beta testing this stuff for people because you're buying this uh, rule book so you can test it out. And then you know whatever based on people's feedback, they'll go in and tweak some more stuff for the for the official official release. But uh, hey, th- this happens. The stuff is out there. Go forth and campaign and invite me. And age seventy. All right. Next up, you can do the squirrel girl one. 
Marvel launched the Squirrel Girl scripted podcast from the writer Ryan North. That's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. And the best part about this is the upcoming news attached to it. The six-episode Sirius XM podcast series titled Marvel Squirrel Girl, the unbeatable radio show, stars Milana Weintraub of AT&T ad fame as Doreen Green and Squirrel Girl, Squirrel Girl and is written by Ryan North. It's already debuted across multiple platforms on Monday. The podcast is produced by Radio Point. The podcast arm of I Think You Should Leave and Life and Beth production company, Irony Point. It's great that Milana Weintraub is able to stick with this character, despite the fact that that new Warriors live action thing did not fly. So good for her. Mm -hmm. But maybe, hey, in some kind of weird way, this could lead to that coming back. for Exactly, because she's still attached to the character. Right. So shout out to her, by the way, just in general. Uh, Marvel celebrates Pride Month with Jen Bartel's romantic uh, Black Cat variant. So, um, yeah, Black Pat, Black Cat's getting a, a Pride variant, and looks like Peter's on the cover. And I don't know who this other person is. Uh, is this wait? Is this Valkyrie or I don't know? I'm about to, I don't even know. Regardless, that's going to be out there for this week's uh, for this year's uh, Marvels versus. Voices Proud number one, which is going to uh, come out in June. Um, it's a good looking cover. Jim Bartel's art is great. I love it. Uh, next up. I don't think that's Valkyrie. I think that is Odessa Drake. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I couldn't remember. From the Black, from the, from, from the Black Cat series. Right. right. That makes sense. Right. Uh, I think her last name was Drake. That makes sense. Uh, yeah, I think that would be right. Right, so this is something that I spoke about when we talked about Marvel uh, about uh, Hulk number six is out this week. Marvel merged Galactus with spoiler alert another Hulk for a terrifying new cosmic threat. That's it. Yeah, that's pretty much it. And speaking of Hulk news, though, uh, meet the mysterious ruler of Hulk Planet in new arc of Donny Cates and Ryan Notley's Hulk. Um, which, by the way, uh, July's lists for Marvel and DC are out, and probably other places I just saw um, Marvel and DCs. So there are in the excuse me the show notes if you're so inclined. But this is the arc that is coming after the uh, Banner of War stuff that is forthcoming uh, with Hulk number nine. So yeah, the saga will explore what society built, uh, what a society built by Hulks for Hulks would operate uh, like and would introduce a host of new gamma fueled characters, including the planet's ruler, Monolith. Uh, and there's, if you're watching the video version, you can see the cover and the character in question right there. Next up. Uh, more Kates and Hulk in places <laughs> other than other than Earth. All right. Uh, Marvel launches new reader-friendly origin story series, Who Is... Uh, so it's a reader-friendly digital series that will take a deep dive into some of the company's most popular characters. Uh, it's going to consist of a collection of one-shots with each issue focusing on a different character. The first two issues, which debuted on Marvel Unlimited on April 20th, a few days ago, follow Scarlet Witch, Wanda Maximoff, and America Chavez. That's interesting and obviously well-timed in advance of Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Yep. Synergy. Gotta love it. And yeah, dude, well, I don't know. I was going to say we got weirdly have copies of that, even though it's out there. Um, I think some of those, I'm not sure if these were free. Um, it doesn't say in this article. Well, I was about to say it's all Marvel Unlimited, but yeah. Well, yeah, but I mean, you know. I get you. I get you. Know, you. They only put certain stuff out there for like free, free. So, 
Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't, don't know if this is under the paywall or you could just read this. So, but yeah, right, those right. are out there. You could check them out. I hadn't had a chance to. So, uh, even though I already know who these characters are, Marvel's <laughs> new uh, Spider-Man costume uh, and Norman Osborn's return. So yes, and um, oh gosh, that new uh, volume of Amazing is coming out next week, isn't it? According to this. Uh, is it already? Apparently, according to this, yeah, it says a uh, new Spider-Man era begins next week with um, Amazing Spider-Man number one from Zeb Wells and John Romita Jr. Uh, okay. Norman Osborn isn't going to be left out. So Marvel revealed that uh, Amazing Spider-Man six, seven, and eight, excuse me, would see the original Green Goblin return. Um, but this time, rinse and Os- repeat. Yeah, that's sad. Um, because we just got really just got Norman into a relatively decent place after that other arc or the arc before last anyway uh but this time oscorp is supporting spidey as if right the thing with ben that just ended didn't <laughs> didn't give any clues to what not to do but um right. anyway. you know get in get in bed with the major corporation right right and uh, and apparently that includes supplying him with a new suit and some accessories that seem to be taken out of the goblin's supply closet including a glider and glowing bombs why I guess we'll find out. Because they need more Marvel Legends designs. That's a sadly accurate but crash way to look at it. Um, and it looks like there's some um, concept art uh, on this, or is that the... I guess that's the cover, not concept art. <laughs> that is uh, in this article. I I don't like it. But Yeah, it's not cool, but it's temporary. Yeah, how temporary is the question, but yes, temporary nonetheless. Next up. Mm-hmm. X-Men's Wolverine, Gambit, and others get new Hellfire Gala looks. Marvel showed off Russell Dowderman's Hellfire Gala designs for X-Men characters like Wolverine, Scarlet Witch, Gambit, Havoc, Iceman, and more. So, uh, yeah, you know, obviously there's going to be another Hellfire Gala coming up this summer. Um, you know, this is going to be an annual thing, so it's kind of cool that they give Russell Dowderman a chance to do some fashion design work for the gala, and there's going to be, you know, lots of fun things going on in the background, because that's what happened the last time they had a gala. Yep. Yeah, and that was, uh, I think that was probably another article with, like, the She-Hulk and other, and Captain America's uh, uh, fits, but I couldn't find it, plus didn't put them in here. But that stuff's out there. I'm pretty sure you can find them. Some good looks, though, and we'll see them again when the gala, gala happens. Next up, uh, Scott Snyder, G. Willow Wilson, and more launch nine new series. At I was about to say you skipped the you skipped the George Perez news because we did no, it already, right? Yeah, because we already did it. Okay, yeah. go ahead. Um, uh, IDW announces uh, nine new original series from the aforementioned folks, plus uh, John Ridley, Stephen Graham Jones, and more. Uh, let's see. IDW's new slate kicks off this summer with Snyder's Dark Spaces Wildfire which is a new project. Uh, the nine new projects are meant to reflect a wide selection of genres, including crime thriller, supernatural horror, science fiction, epic fantasy, and more. Uh, does this article does definitely give the um, uh, names and creative teams of them, but I won't go into all of them, but um, yeah, they're out there next up. Next up, Matt Kent launches his own Flux House imprint at Dark Horse. That's cool. I'm waiting for the story to load. Oh, here we go. 
Uh, he's teaming up with some superstar artists to launch the line with the latest story in his mind management MGMT series. Kint is fresh, fresh off his success with Keanu Reeves' Berserker, Berserker, <laughs> one of the best-selling comics of 2021. Um, let's see here. Dark Horse. Uh, all right, so... Each Flux House book will have a distinct look designed by Kint, including unusual sizes and materials. Uh, let's see here. I'm just looking to see what other creators. All right. So Flux House joins a number of recent boutique imprints at Dark Horse, including Karen Berger's Burger Books, Brian Michael Bendis's Jinx World, and Kevin Smith's Secret Stash. Oh, so that's what Dark Horse is looking to get into. Mm-hmm. All right. Artists are going to be artists that are joining... Uh, Kint are Farrell, Dalrymple, Jill Thompson, David Rubin, and Matt Lesniewski. Okay. Yeah. So. Hey, that's, you know, that's, that's a different direction, and that's good for Dark Horse. I mean, think about it. What is Dark Horse doing? They got, like, a bunch of licensed stuff, as far as I know. Right. I mean, if it wasn't for Hellboy, right, right what would they be publishing? Um, Usagi Yojimbo? <laughs> yeah, uh, I think that's over at Image now. Is that as Image now? Okay, yeah, you might be right. Uh, they do have something I can't remember what Dark Horse said because they definitely don't have the uh, Star Wars license no more. Exactly. So, and that was and Star Wars is what was booing them, uh, supporting them throughout the nineties. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Anywho's, uh, I'm gonna take these next two because they're but they're a couple of previews for books. Uh, so we got a preview of a book called Starhenge Book One: The Dragon and the Boar, which is a mini series from Image Comics. Uh, with writer and uh, writer and artist being Liam Sharp, uh, we have a description of it uh, in this article, which we won't really go to. And but it's go, uh, but it starts uh, in July at I- Image Comics, like I said. Um, well, according to this, it says it sounds like the Terminator meets the Green Knight, and uh, so take that for what you will. And then the second preview is uh, from. Uh, Peter Milligan and artist um, Art Sita and color artist uh, Valentina Bianconi, letterist uh, Rob Steen, which is called The Dogs of London. Um, and it looks as though actual dogs. Uh, again, I won't go into the um, the um, book. Uh, I mean, into the um, what the book is about, but this is from Aftershock. And it's going to be on sale uh, May 4th digitally. Next up. In a filing, San Diego Comic-Con lost eight-plus million dollars, million in 2020. So uh, the nonprofit organization, San Diego Comic Convention... Uh, that run San Diego Comic-Con and WonderCon lost over $8 million in 2020, the first year of the pandemic, according to its annual registration renewal fee report filed with the Attorney General of California. So the report listed revenues of uh, not quite $4 million and expenses of not quite $12 million. That compares to its fiscal year report for 2019, where they showed revenues of $28.5 million and a modest profit of $164,145. Oof. Well, I did not know they ran on such a slim margin. Right. I didn't either. Um, but they can't be like Netflix. It's like, well, we got people sharing passwords, so that's why we're not making money. Mm. Um, but yeah, that's that's uh, that's kind of crazy. But, you know, hey, COVID's been doing things. Even though I heard the numbers for the last couple of physical shows 
which I don't think they've stopped. Now that I think about it, uh, has been all right. So that's kind of crazy either way. What you mean, just cons in general? Well, for them specifically. Oh, for WonderCon, yeah, they had decent numbers for WonderCon. That's right. my understanding. Right. So, um. Anyway, next up, uh, Archie Comics debut uses very Back. first. Huh. No, go ahead. Oh, uh, Archie Comics debut uses very first hearing impaired character. Um. In a joint statement, Archie Comics and the Children's Tumor Foundation uh, announced that Grace Alondra, a character who suffers from NF2, uh, would make her first appearance in Archie Jumbo Comics Digest number 329, which is on sale today already, uh, this week. Uh, the character debuts in an eight-page short called Sound Like Sounds Like Music, which can also be read for free as a part of CTS NF uh, Comics line. Uh, apparently, this character... Um, uh, NF2 is a, is a dis- genetic disorder that causes tumors to grow on the nerves on the, in the body and often leads to hearing loss. And uh, you know, disease affects 1 in 25,000 births of all populations equally. So this uh, comic is a part of the Foundation's global awareness campaign that launches uh, at the end of camp- uh, April and continues to May, which is NF Awareness Month. And then it goes on to give the synopsis for the, the short story. Uh, Grace is a Latina... Um, who loves music and I, and, and uh, there was something. Uh, and I think the, the person who created her goes on to tell their story uh, in relation to which. So cool. Next up. Uh, fans of the invincible comic books in an article written by our very own at Tim dog 98. Um, this article that is mm-hmm. uh, fans of the invincible comic books and animated series are in for a treat. Uh, Image and Skybound are releasing a new volume of the hit anthology series Skybound X, featuring a Battle Beast story reuniting creators Robert Kirkman and Ryan Otley in Skybound X number 25. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure some some folks that remember uh, Battle Beast from the the animated cartoon probably know who that is. Or if you've actually read those comics. Teen Mm -hmm. Justice uh, uh, from Teen Justice, I guess. DC's male version of Raven is fully revealed in New Arc. So this is, um, again, coming from Solicitations. This is from Teen Justice number two, which um, reveals a look at Robbie Rodriguez's cover for the issue. The image shows... Wait, is that that supposed to be like the new version of Teen Titans and Young Justice? So they're calling it Teen Justice? I believe that is the case, yes. Oh, sweet. Goodness gracious. Oh. And I believe, yeah, and I believe that. Sorry. No, no. That's no, my no. editorializing. <laughs> no, you're good. The Flash from Future State is, the, I believe, the lead of this, uh, this new team. So, yeah. But, um, wait, it says DC has re- provided a look at the version of Raven appearing in Multiversity Teen Justice uh, by Ivan Cohen, Danny Lohr, and Marco Faya. Um, so, yeah. There, there it is. And if you're watching the video version, uh, there is the cover. Yeah. I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll check it out. <laughs> but again, it's Multiversity, so, you know, there's, there's a lot of uh, flipping and plopping going on there. But uh, next up, uh, Red Hood gets his very own Robin uh, and Batman White Knight spinoff. So, and also shout out to Tim, Tim, Tim for this. So I think I talked about this, uh, when I talked about that, um, uh, that last white Knights uh, series, 
that there was another uh, spinoff that was coming, and this was it. Uh, so yeah, uh, Red Hood's going to get the spotlight and have his very own Robin sidekick. Um, Sean Murphy's teams up with writer Clay McCormick uh, and artist uh, Simone DeMeo uh, and colorist David Stewart uh, for a miniseries that's going to debut in July. Um, and to solicit uh, for the first issue, teases the introduction of a young girl named Gan, or Gan, I'm guessing Gan, who needs Red Hood's help in ridding her neighborhood of a super criminal. Um, uh, she's so desperate uh, that she decides to become Robin and fight along Red Hood. This is a story that we've kind of sort of heard before, but in the, the White Knight universe. So there you go. I will probably read it. Last but not least. Last but not least, Buffy as in Buffy the Vampire Slayer, has been replaced by Spoiler as the Slayer in first look at new series. So Buffy Summers is not the chosen one. It's Anakin. (laughs) Or it's Luke. Um, In the upcoming Buffy the Vampire Slayer universe series titled simply The Vampire Slayer. Mm Mm-hmm. The Buffy the Vampire Slayer 25th anniversary special revealed that the hero of this series is... Spoiler alert! If you don't want to know, just, you know, turn the volume down for a few minutes. (laughs) The hero of this series is Willow Rosenberg. Buffy backs up the Slayer as a super powerless member of her Scooby gang. Boom Studios has been exploring the Buffy multiverse in their titles lately. The Vampire Slayer takes place in a universe where Watcher Giles attempted a chaos magic spell to help lift Buffy's burden from her, somehow resulting in Willow becoming the Slayer. Okay. All that stuff was over my head. I have never been into this character or that show. I have. Uh, and a matter of fact, I think that came out this week, now that I think about it. Um, but I didn't get a chance to read it. And I haven't really been keeping up with the comics of, of that stuff. So it is what it is. And that, folks, is the end of the news section. Before we go, um, before we end real quick and get into an ad read, I just want to show something real quick um, that I tried to tease, that I was going to tease on social media, but I didn't get a chance to because whatever, whatever. So we have a real toy corner. I do have a real toy corner. Okay, cool. Yeah, I told you about this last week. Um. Oh, I didn't know this was going to look like this. So I don't know if this is going to play. But, um, yeah, this is definitely not going to play. There we go. There you go. I'm not turning off my uh, virtual background. So, what I have in my hands is um, Transformer. Transformers War for Siege, uh, War for Cyberfront Siege. And it is Reflector. This is the camera. That's the three, um, three robots that turn into a, uh, one camera. And now I got them a little bit smaller than I thought it was going to be. But hey, nevertheless, I haven't obviously haven't taken them out the box yet. And there's no, um, there's no, yeah, there's no art for, for the character anywhere on the box. I was about to say, to paraphrase Slick Rick, take them out the box, Rick. <laughs> that would be, yeah, knock them out the box. But sure, that works out. Uh, like I said, paraphrase. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You worked out. You worked it. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to this. This will probably have a place behind me somewhere once I get this uh, place situated. But I definitely will open this up at some point. So, yay. And that is it, folks. Um, Maybe I'll show... Well, it will be shown again at some point. Who am I kidding? So that's it, folks, uh, for the news. Uh, We're going to go and get an ad read out the way. 
our last ad reader of the night, and you know what I'm reading when I'm tired and it's late. Keep our podcast free by shopping at Amazon. Visit cspn.us and click the Keep Our Podcast Free link at the top of the page. From there, scroll down and click on the Amazon link to shop. Purchase items from Amazon as you normally would, whether it's books, music, electronics, jewelry, apparel, or Marvel Legends at a higher price. For every purchase made on Amazon through our link, Amazon sends the CSPN a payment that helps us keep the Comic Book Chronicles podcast free for our listeners at no extra cost to you. Amazon.com through CSPN.us. Do it today. Again, you have to visit CSPN.us and click the Keep Our Podcast Free link at the top of the page. Scroll down and click on the Amazon link to shop. Thank you for your support. You could also get that um, um, Marvel RPG um, play test book, uh, whether digitally or physically, as I said earlier. So it might be a thing you might want. Who knows? Just go through the link. Anyway, folks, that is it for us uh, this week. We'll be back next week with another fine show. We're going to wrap this up really quickly by saying, I am Radicat. You can find me at Radicat on Twitter. You can find me at News and the Need on Twitter. You can find me at CBCaps on Instagram. Agent underscore 70 on Twitter and Instagram and the planet of Brooklyn. <laughs> uh, PCN underscore dirt on Twitter, pop culture network on, on Twitter, pop culture network.com and all those umbrella sites that are in and, and also apparently Spotify as a music artist, as a recording artist. Uh, Tim D O G G nine, eight on Twitter. Uh, CB Cron on Twitter, which is the comic book Chronicles Twitter account. Uh, the click nation on Twitter. That's V K L I Q N A T I O N all one word. The click nation.com. And of course, uh, he's over at comicbook.com right in his face off. You can find this here podcast on the coast of the podcast network. That's CSPN.us. Do it today. You can also find us on your podcast brutal place of choice, whether it be Google Play, Apple iTunes, uh, or aka Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or the Coast of the Podcast Network's SoundCloud page. We record every Thursday night, 9.30-ish p.m. on uh, the YouTube channel of The Click Nation. That's youtube.com slash The Click Nation. And simultaneously on twitch.tv slash comic book chronicles. Um, you know, hey, like, subscribe, get us, get, get, you know, hook us up, please be nice. Five stars and all that. Yes. Five star reviews, people. Good five stars. Not the, not the five stars. I hate it. You know, that kind of, although, hey, the five stars will work out one way or the other. Um, I guess I don't know how all that works. Regardless, we will be back next week. Uh, more shenanigans, more moon night, more books. Uh, this has been the Cumber Chronicles. Peace. Peace, one. I love it when a plan comes together. Good evening, friend. Would you believe it's, it's Dr. Doom? What's on your evil mind? Oh, you insulting tongue and mock my words well. How about this woman? You are really hired, Mr. Stark. Rest in peace to Prince.